0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are on!
1: Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling.
0: And this is...
2: today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And
1: Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them. all right?
0: Uh, look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for the rundown.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast on Intentionally Offensive Wrestling Podcast. It is episode 377, and we got a packed fucking show to talk about before we go on our, well, we're not going on Christmas break, but the WWE Superstars definitely are. But I can't do this alone because with me this week, as always, is my co host, Jason.
2: Yeah, it's like old times. It's just you and I jerking each other off on a Thursday night. I feel like a little warm tingle in my crotchal region.
1: Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. Uh, Embrace those. Pull out that big meaty cock because it's time to talk about some pay-per-views. This past weekend, we had not one but two. Two big pay-per-view events. TLC, of course, happened. But we also had Ring of Honor's final battle which also will will be the final pay-per-view appearance for about half of the people on this card. <laughs> so, uh, of course, if you haven't already listened to last show where me, Jason, and Brian Malonis talk about ROH Final Battle, um, Brian is, apparently, is is very busy. I think they, he's in uh, South Carolina or something this this past week. Or he's yeah, he was, he's on he location somewhere. He was all over somewhere. the
2: place. Yeah. He was, they did a uh, TV tape immediately following Final Battle where the Kingpin was on the uh, pre-show, which... You mm-hmm. know, come on, yeah. Ring of Honor, get your shit together. Get him on the main card. Um, following that, they had TV tapings, I think, in Pittsburgh, and I know he had a show in Connecticut for N.E.W. Connecticut. So, guys flying, but I think he said he's done for the year now. He's got the rest of the year off. So,
1: yeah, which uh, uh, kind of rough timing because I was I was tuning into the Wrestle podcast about nothing every Monday, yes. and uh, was was kind of hoping to hear a little bit of insight. And of course, they ran off the back so the show. They're like, "Yeah, he's not here." It's like, "Oh." Yeah. No. Well, that sucks. <laughs> but, uh, but. but you did get uh, some Brian Fury, who's always yeah. also
2: very entertaining on that show, and obviously a guy. Uh, congrats to him, by the way. He's the, sort of the permanent co host over there, guest mm-hmm. co host over there. Uh, but congrats to him for his second stint down at the uh, Performance Center as a guest coach. So, I mean, that's yeah. a guy who's now been asked twice to go down and be a guest coach at the Performance Center. So that's a guy to keep your eye on. He may be uh,
1: making his way down there on a more
2: permanent basis sometime soon, it wouldn't oh, you? Yeah. up
1: yeah and he definitely is is a guy that's got a lot to teach so
0: yes. uh
1: but let's get into it uh, final battle was a, a, a huge card and a rather stat card uh we're just gonna kind of run through these things and uh, and see if there was anything uh that kind of stood out to us uh the show started off with Kenny King defeating uh Eli isom um
2: this was <laughs> <laughs> not, not not good like I love Kenny King but just no like. Yeah. Isom came across this thing to me as the not ready for prime time player, if you will. Um, Kenny did his best to sort of carry him through. There was one spot where I think Isom went for like a springboard, and he was—it looked like he was about to slip, and Kenny sort of ran over to try to save him and make it look like it was just—it was not not a crisp match. Um, Kenny's an amazing worker. Uh, Eli is ta- is a talented young guy. Uh, on this particular night, this combination just did not work like, for me.
1: Yeah, and um, I think coupled with the fact that obviously this this match is just kind of thrown on here, um, <clears throat> you know, not not a whole lot of build to it either. No. Uh, it, it made obviously for it to be. I mean, it was fine for for a kickoff show, and obviously you want to get as much of your talent on as possible. And Kenny is such a mainstay of ROH mm-hmm. um, that it was it was good to see him on there. But uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe in hindsight, maybe this one could have waited until the next taping. <laughs> yeah, and, and this is sort of
2: where, and I, and I sort of touched on it a little bit with with the kingpin. This is where I have a little bit. I, I think Ring of Honor doesn't quite do themselves justice because the way their TV has sort of laid out the last few months has been Kenny King doing sort of a a thing against the Bullet Club, um, you know, taking on members of the Bullet Club, which you know was sort of you would believe would be a way to sort of elevate him as he's been beating Marty Scurll and Cody Rhodes, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And this is what he gets, the opening, last minute, thrown on contest that final battle against Eli Isom. So what were we spending all that TV time building to?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I mean, Kenny's a guy that I don't think really needs, you know, obviously, we're going to talk about it later with with some of the the exodus here, but Kenny's not really a guy that you needed to have much more build after these guys leave, you know, so it does kind of make it seem like we were building towards something a little bit more um, you know, if, if they would have had maybe him against Paige and had somebody else face against Cobb, I think it would have made a little bit more sense because at least they were kind of together. I know that Paige obviously and Cobb did have some build to it, but yeah, yeah it, you know but Hey, but let's, you know, let's uh, get right into that while we're there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, TV champion the Jeff Cobb, which, of course, it's always weird to me when they defend the TV title on a pay-per-view. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> defended against, it was on your TV, Troy. I mean, it was on my phone. But, well, you know,
0: not. whatever.
1: <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so uh, defended against Hangman Page successfully. Uh, so I, I think that this was another, one of the ones that we were unanimous on when we were talking about uh, Cobb wasn't going to have lose that title, and now, of course, we know why he didn't. Uh, but you know, uh, this match, you know, Cobb is definitely a guy that that they can build around for the future, and and he proved it here, in my opinion.
2: Oh, this was a fantastic match, I and mean, we talked about it during the preview. I, I've become such a huge fan of Hangman Page. This guy has just has every single tool you need to be an absolute star in this business, and it was on display here. I love probably Four seconds of hang time. Well, that's why they call him the Hangman. No, no, that's nope, not no, why that's they call not, him Hangman. No. Nope, nope. <laughs> not at all. Nope, it's because of that big dick. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, but there was uh, the he went for the shooting star off the apron and Cobb caught him in right in midair for the uh, the belly to belly suplex on the floor. And then, of course, I'm not a huge, I don't know your feelings, I'm not a huge fan of Ian Riccoboni. Uh, you know, he's okay as an announcer. I think they definitely took a step back when Kevin Kelly left. Uh, I don't think Riccaboni's at that level. And I find myself a little confused because him and Colt Cabana, their voices are not that different. So sometimes it's hard to tell for me which one's talking. Yeah. Uh, but one of them, whichever one it was, had a great line here where it's like, "Oh, he caught a, she's caught a st- shooting star." I'm like, "Okay, cool, that's that's kind of funny." Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the double buckshot lariat, the tour of the island, everything. This this was a fantastic match. These two are top notch, and as we talked about, there's some openings at the top of the card of ROH, and I would not at all be surprised if this time next year Jeff Cobb is main event in final battle for the heavyweight championship.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, taking you know, taking that Jay Lethal route of having maybe a long type TV title reign to get fans on his side, um, or at least at least get people kind of you know more interested in, in him, uh, mm-hmm. build up that resume a little bit. But yeah, I could definitely see that uh, he's a guy. He's got he's got everything that you he ticks all the boxes for yeah. a guy that you can build around. So, um, in terms of Page, um, I think of the people that uh, that are, are leaving ROH I feel like he's the he's the one that people aren't really talking about but I think he's the one that's going to hurt him the most because he is such a good worker and he is right in that he he's he's that guy that you know yes he's sort of in that mid card range but he's another one of those guys that at any point in time can elevate any point around on on the card and he's that kind of hand that you need I think
2: but he's also sort of the ironically enough, a lot of people don't realize this, but he's sort of like the more um, tenured ROH guy. I mean, he was there before the Bucks came from New Japan, and it, yeah. And same thing with Cody, who showed like, Hangman was there as Adam Page, doing all sorts of stuff prior to any of the, but prior to ever joining up with the Elite, so this is more of, of a homegrown talent that they're losing, um, and a guy that I think they did have great designs for at one point, so um, like I said, this kid, whatever he decides to do, wherever he decides to go, he's going to be a star. It, he's, it, it's undeniable at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, from there, uh, we had the four-corner Survivor match for the Women of Honor World Championship. Madison Rain, Karen Q, Sumi Sukai, and Kelly Klein were in this match. Uh, There was a little bit of question on if it was an elimination match or not. It did wind up being one. Um, Kelly Klein eliminated everybody. (laughs) Uh, First Karen Q with the K Power, then Madison Rain with the Smash Mouth, Um, uh, then Sumi Sumi hit the Smash Mouth. Sumi hit Smash Mouth. Yeah, yeah, and then
2: uh, Kelly stole the pin.
1: Yeah, Uh, then uh, took out Sumi with the K Power from from the top rope. Um, Super K Power. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, I it's just a. another opportunity for you know for the women to get a little bit of time here on the card. Uh obviously ROH is still kind of building up that women's division and they have had a little bit more turnover than I think that they probably would have liked in this early of it. Um obviously, you know, they had big plans for Tennille and obviously with her shoulder injury, that kind of put a little damper on it. Mm-hmm. Um but uh it's it's time to see what uh, what Kelly Klein can do with with the title and and kind of being the face of the division going forward now
2: see i don't think the problems with this division have anything to do with the women involved and and i think most of the women in this match made a good accounting for themselves um i think everybody here sumi sumi's great i don't think sumi has like i think we said in the preview i don't think she has the charisma or the sort of recognition to be the face of a brand new division i think you need someone who people know and can relate to. Kelly Klein is not necessarily that person, but having a big, sort of nasty heel in that role is going to help, I think, uh, compared to Sumi. Um, I also think Ring of Honor needs to take some accountability for what's going on with their women's division just a little bit because women's wrestling is one of the hottest things in in the business right now. When you look WWE, NXT, even Impact are putting with, with Tessa Blanchard are putting a real focus on women's wrestling. Uh T- Tessa Blanchard and Taya Valkyrie are going to headline their uh, not headline but be at one of the top matches at their coming upcoming pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So, women's wrestling is on fire. And this is, I believe, only in the nine months that this Women's Honor, Women of Honor Championship has existed, this was only the second pay per view they've been on, and they haven't been focused on very much, and they should have been.
1: Well, and um, let's let's not forget as well. What what was the build for this match? Oh, that's yeah. right. There wasn't any because this was, it was literally Sumi's going to defend against against three other people. Here's the three other people. Here's the match. Yeah. There wasn't any real storytelling involved with getting to that
2: point. Well, Kelly and Sumi were the last two in the original tournament to crown a championship. They faced off in the finals, so there was some story to at least their interactions, I guess. Um, But I I sort of feel like they, they righted the ship. I feel like they should have gone with Kelly right off the bat as the first champion. And I think they sort of pulled the trigger with Sumi and hoped she could... The face of the division, and and maybe at this point they realize that really wasn't working. So let's let's go the way we should have gone in the first place and put yeah. on Kelly.
1: Right. Moving right along to <laughs> somebody that uh, that the rundown has taken a, a few shots at in the past. Oh, uh, God damn it! Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Jonathan Gresham, and uh, uh. this uh, okay. So this match it it got me a. A little, a little, a little miffed, because yeah. so. uh, we we had talked about it before with with Gresham kind of being somebody that they could strap a rocket to and and definitely do something with.
2: It seemed like they were doing that. Too.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Zack Saber is a guy that does some flippy shit and also seems like the kind of guy that you know he's kind of bombed in and out here and there. Now it sounds like he's going to be at Ring of Honor. More steadily going forward, but yeah, having having him go over Gresham kind of pumps the brakes a little bit on on Gresham's All push. Right. It go ahead, you so, seem you have something to say.
2: <laughs> so I, we talked about this, and I particularly talked about this during Zach Saber's run in the original Cruiserweight Classic. Um, this guy's a technical whiz. He's amazing in in his term in the way he he works his catch wrestling. Everything he does is, is very smooth but that's really it. Um, I, there was a there's a segment in this match right right around the finishing sequence where Jonathan Gresham full force all of his body weight jumps on Zack Sabre's arm and Zack Sabre doesn't sell a fucking second of it. And that's sort of my issue and always has been with Zack Sabre as as gifted technically as he is, he can't sell shit. He can't get anyone else's shit over he gets his shit over but he cannot get anyone else's shit over and then to watch and again i think gresham should have gone over as well i think he's the guy after coming off that lethal program that match with lethal this was the spot to put him over um but i also understand when you're bringing in a sort of a big name nationally a new talent you want to put him over I get that. However, did Sabre have to be a complete dick and do the bridge with no hands and cross his arms, like, oh, this is fucking easy? Like, I just don't feel like they did any favors for Jonathan Gresham in the way this match was put together, and particularly with that finish.
1: We're going to have to... Sorry, <clears throat> I was listening, but I was also reading the transcripts of Jeff's voicemails. We're going to have to read the transcripts. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I we'll have to we'll have to see what happens going forward here, uh, because like I said, it sounds like Saber's going to be here for a while. Gresham obviously is going to be here for a while. I'm I'm curious to see which one of them ROH decides to push further in in the immediate future. So, uh, but well, they have, like, I mean they sort of tipped their hand here, right? I mean you would you would think so, but I think that they're there is a case to be made that you can use Gresham losing as a way to propel him further as well so we'll Maybe. we'll Hopefully. see one way or the other but
2: yeah again like right. i said i don't have a problem with the with the loss. like I've, I've i've been on record wins and losses to me are sort of you can come and go as you please with those yeah. but again for for sabre junior to do the sta- the the bridge with no hands and cross his arms and sort of it just it made it look, it made Gresham look like shit, I think. Like,
1: yeah. And I know that, I like and, that, and Saber has kind of come under fire before for his selling and believability in some matches. Um. So there's, there's that effect as well at that. It kind of seems to be his MO at this point. So,
2: yeah.
1: um, but moving from that to a match that, uh, that really entertained me, Matt Taven defeated Dalton Castle uh, to retain his Made up championship belt, <laughs> which apparently was on the line, if you asked him. so
2: <laughs> so there's a ton of stuff that happened here, but the one thing I want to jump right to, because the kingdom should stop doing moves outside near the guardrails, because oh. for those who remember that's how TK Orion broke his uh, his shin bone not too too long ago. Uh, in this match, Taven went for a, a suicide dive over the top rope. And I, I don't know what happened. If he just went too far, if he didn't realize how far it was, if Castle didn't didn't catch, I don't, I couldn't really tell what the miscommunication was. But Taven slammed his sternum and/or ribs just yeah. full force down <clears throat> on the guardrail. It was nasty and frightening. I thought he was going to be out for a significant time. Just watching it the first <clears throat> time as it happened. Um, but all things considered, this match was fantastic. Dalton's character is just so great that he can almost carry a match on his personality, but he didn't have to here because <laughs> the work rate in this was great. And the way they integrated the kingdom and the boys and everything else that needed to go into this, I thought they wove a great story here. I thought Taven getting the win was what should have happened. Uh, commentary notwithstanding, uh, I think this match was fantastic. and uh, you know I, I think we talked about it a little bit before we went on air, but that's, that spot where the boys... Got helped help Dalton and then all of a sudden you see the balloons come up from under the ring and then Vinny slides out and pulls the boys down. Like yeah. fantastic stuff.
1: Just really yeah. well done. I <laughs> every time I see him I always have to wonder, do you think that when the Tate brothers were growing up and they were they were learning to wrestle that they thought one day, one day we're going to be vaguely effeminate characters and we're going to let another guy walk on our backs to get into the ring. Do you think that that was something? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the
2: interesting story about the boys um, is that originally Dalton Castle just used different boys everywhere he went. It was sort of like the hoe train where they had just random local guys and they would yeah. slot them in there. Um, he decided, I want my own guys that travel with me that are my guys for every show, for consistency, for realism, uh, and that's how they ended up getting that gig. So, uh, just right place, right time. But they've certainly run with it, and they've yeah. held Ring of Honor championships in the past now. So, right,
1: yeah, they're they're actually legitimately good wrestlers. So, <laughs> which is which is something that, considering what their original intention was for, you wouldn't think would be the case. Exactly. Um, but yeah. Um, so we had obviously that the the Taven crushing his his uh, chest in. As being the first, um, like, oh, shit, he's, he's fucking dead moment of this this card, <laughs> it wouldn't be the last. <laughs> <laughs> not because at all. Because there was maybe three or four different spots in our last match that I thought, oh, yeah, they're, they're fucking done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we've got a couple ones to get to before that because the villain, Marty Skrull, defeated Christopher Daniels. Uh, essentially uh, sending Christopher Daniels off, but that's not probably going to be the case. Uh, but it might be his last match that he's wrestled in ROH, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, of course, the, the storyline before this coming up was that Christopher Daniels had one final match left on his contract, and he wanted to face Marty Scurll for it um, and hope that he would get another contract, I guess. Well, the, 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 thing,
2: the, but... the gimmick was uh, Marty Scurll's opportunity to the Ring of yeah. Honor title was on the line, and if Christopher Daniels had a guaranteed title shot, he couldn't be released or fired. Right,
1: yeah. But of course, he does not, because he lost. <laughs>
2: uh lots of good stuff in this match i thought these guys just worked really well together Skrull's entrance is just top notch um the way the crowd reacts to the video the whoop whoop the whole look everything about the 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 entrance video is tremendous uh daniel's scu stuff is just obviously over like we're over there's there's nothing you can say about that um so watching some of the moves that Christopher Daniels does so effortlessly, you remind yourself this guy's forty eight years old. It's like holy oh, shit! Gosh, yeah, um, he's doing you know best moonsaults ever and like stuff to the floor and just so smooth. So just absolutely one of the most underrated in ring performers in the history of the business. Um, I I'm never a fan of like the oh I broke your X Y or Z spots. I talked about it with Pentagon yeah. at... All in with the, I broke Kenny Omega's arm, and then Kenny Omega used that arm to hit a one-winged angel and didn't sell it a bit afterwards. Uh, at least in this pl- case, Christopher Daniels, they did the broken finger spot with Marty Scurll, and then Christopher Daniels wove it into the store where he couldn't lock his hands for the angel's wings because of the fingers. Yeah. Uh, so I thought they, they, he continued to sell it, which I thought was a nice touch, uh, and that's what a fucking pro he is. Unlike some other people in the business, he when he has a, a, a thing broken, he, uh, you know, sells yeah. it. Uh, but like, as, a, as like
1: f- Charlotte hurting her knee and locking in the figure eights?
2: Or, and we'll talk about another former Intercontinental champion on this show who, you know, had some issues with selling this past weekend. Um, but I, as a Celtics fan, I just yesterday saw Aaron Baines break his finger. And he, that motherfucker is going to be out for a month now. Yeah. So Christopher Daniels breaks all the fingers in his hand and then goes for it. Like I just hate those spots in wrestling because it sort of takes some of the believability
1: away. Yeah. See, if it wasn't if it wasn't a break, if it was just that he kept like fucking with his fingers, like for instance the Pete dunn Noam Dar match yeah. next to UK where he kept working the fingers. They never once said like, oh he. His fingers are definitely broken. It's he right. could break his fingers on it, or oh, he's hyperextending them like, and yeah. the entire match, Noam Dar sold the fact that his hand was fucked up. You know, mm-hmm. that's what you'd rather see, not this whole like, I heard a snap, it's done, yeah. it's done. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, unless you are writing somebody off of TV for a while, there's no right. there's no sense in doing it.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: So, um, the next match that we had, um. The uh, one of one of my most proudest moments as a rundown host was the time that this motherfucker blocked me on Twitter. Flip Gordon <laughs> defeated Bully Ray. Wait, <laughs> you know, Fli- Flip couldn't. Gordon? Flip no, Gordon Bully Ray. Oh, okay. no, Bully Ray. Oh, no, Bully Ray. Because I because I dared to say that the guy that he was he was idolizing killed a motherfucker.
2: Uh, okay then. Yeah, um, I, I love this match actually. <laughs> I this is great. Uh, and it's not just because I've been a fan of Flip since the first time I ring announced for him. Two years ago, God, this guy's gotten so far, so fast, so good. Um, I, I loved Flip. I, I loved the fact that Christopher Daniels is in the rings having his, you know, thank you Daniels moment from the crowd, and Bully Ray just comes up and hits him in the balls uh, with no music, and yeah. then says, "All right, Flip, let's get the fuck out here and do this." I loved Flip's entrance coming through the crowd with the American flag and his GI Joe gear. Uh, he is a legitimate soldier for those uh, reserve soldier for those of you who didn't know that. Um, I, I just loved everything about that. Uh, I love the the way they worked the table with the backdrop over the entire fucking table, which was probably hurt more than going through the table would have hurt. Um, I, I love the the way Christopher Daniels did the taking the bullet for Carrie Silken on the outside with the Singapore cane. Uh, they just. If you've been following this story, which is really sort of laid out over almost the entire year at this point between Bully Ray and Flip Gordon, um, if you follow this whole thing, they just, Bobby Cruz's involvement to um, Todd Sinclair's involvement to Carrie Silkin's involvement, all of it was a sort of a payoff for the entire storyline that we've seen Silas Young getting in there. All this stuff, the, the fact that it was the Singapore Canes, Flip was whipping them with the Singapore Canes, and that was what got the, the final pinfall, was a harken back to the just absolute beating Flip took from, from Bully Ray as part of the build. Um, the only thing, I, 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 and I don't know if that's Flip's real girlfriend or not. I, 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 I plead ignorance to that one. I'm not 100% sure of that. Um, but the way they did that was a little bit weird because, like, if your girlfriend just got assaulted by Bully Ray and you saved her, would you then put her right back in the same seat in the audience where she was right next to Bully Ray to start with, which allowed this whole thing to happen? You're like, maybe you want to tell her to go to the back or something. I don't know. Um, And she really had very little reaction. Like... Uh, you would think she would be more emotional more into it. like just very weird I, I maybe would have stayed away from that particular piece of scenery in the match but all things considered I thought this was fantastic the Sandman showed up I mean really this shit just went bonkers and I thought it went bonkers in just the absolute perfect way so uh, hats off
1: Brittany saw would be Flip Gordon's girlfriend
2: okay uh, so, I see her sharing something. See, was that the girl that was at ringside though? I
1: don't. I'm trying to remember, and I don't. Oh know. yes, right.
2: The, the one on the bottom left there looks like her.
1: So. Okay, yeah, that's his real girlfriend. She's okay. a, a actress. Okay. So, so yeah, that was real real girlfriend. But in she any is, event, she, she is smoking. By the way. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh,
2: good, good for good for flip. Yeah, but she she really didn't sort of sell to it. And she's not a worker, obviously. No. So, but, but she but, is an actress, so she should have been a little better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it sort of you didn't feel the actual emotion or, or panic that you would expect someone in that situation to feel.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so then we had the ROH heavyweight championship as Jay Lethal successfully defended against Cody. Uh, no roads. Um, it was a match obviously that I even knowing how it was gonna end, they still did a very good job of making you think that there was a chance that, that Jay was dropping the belt. Which is yeah. kinda difficult to do when you you're kind of insiders like we are, you know. Well,
2: I mean we all knew that the, the elite was doing the tapings the next day, so you could you could sell yourself on the idea yeah. that you know they would do a quick turnaround the next set of tapings yeah. and
1: I mean Probably not, but there was still that chance. Yeah, there was still a chance. But yeah, this. Uh, I mean, I I get why you put the tag team ladder match at the end of the end of the card. Uh, obviously, I mean, if, if it wasn't because no
2: one else wants to wrestle in a puddle of blood, right?
1: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because otherwise, this would have been the main event, and it would have been a deserving main event.
3: Yeah,
1: uh, but yeah, for sure, <laughs> nobody nobody wants to uh, to try to figure out which which of these six men's blood is on you and which right. one is not. So, yeah.
2: Um, I, I've seen these guys have what I thought were better matches in the past. I wasn't a huge fan of all the, like, I, I don't need to see Brandy Rhodes taking a lethal injection. Like, no, no, you don't like that was violent too. It looked like she really could have fucking hurt her neck on that spot. Um, she's, yeah, no. Let's let's keep brand and, and I don't need Brandy Rhodes spearing Jay Lethal. Like, yeah, I, I get that Cody wants to get his wife involved and he's trying to help her sort of get her career established. But you know, for her during that tournament being sort of a, a focal point of the Women of Honor tournament and now a focal point in the, in the heavyweight championship match, I, I think we're just trying too hard with Brandy at this point. She she may she may turn into something I don't know I know she works incredibly hard from everything I've heard but she's outstanding as a valet as a heater at ringside yeah. and she does a great job with that but I do not need to see her physically getting involved in these no. matches
1: and you know one of the things with Brandy is this this isn't like 2005 women's wrestling anymore where you could just be beautiful which Brandy is and be a focal point of a division. You have to be able to work, and right now her work rate is nowhere near where it needs to be in order for her to be a legitimate star and and a legitimate future, well, Women of of Honor champion or any kind of champion for that matter. Um, That's not to say that she can't get there. We've seen tons of, of people... You know, reach that level very fucking fast. You know, I mean, Trish Stratus was somebody that started off as a valet and became one of the best workers the WWE ever had. You know, so it it can happen, but right now, not Spo- only
2: spoiler alert, Brandy is the first all all elite wrestling women's champion.
1: Yeah, most likely, <laughs> uh, and that, and that to me will be kind of a detriment to that division if that's yeah. the case that it happens because, yeah, she, can she get there? I believe so. She seems that she wants to put the work and everything in that. But right now, no. And having her be injected into this match, the the ROH heavyweight championship match, I feel like was a detriment to the match as a whole. Because all I wanted to watch was Jay and Cody go out go at it. Right. You know, and I didn't and I get that that's Cody's persona right now, that's his heel persona kind of thing. Right. His wife gets involved with things over that, but I feel even, like even was,
2: hangman's involvement I felt was sort of unnecessary here.
1: Yeah, I I think that there was a little bit of overbooking to this one where yeah, you you should have just had it be these two guys square off each other against each other and Lethal is the better man that day. Right. Instead of essentially kind of putting more and more like roadblocks in Lethal's way and having him overcome it, I get is like a big like he overcame Cody and Paige and Brandy but it just makes Cody look pretty weak that like you still couldn't beat this fucker and he had all that help kind of thing so um, not that they really care about Cody in the future or anything like that at this point but still yeah to me it it didn't need all that stuff it just needed them to go out there and put on a fantastic match which they did when it was just the two of them in
2: Right. Yeah, very true
1: so but uh, if you have anything else to say about that, or you want to go right on to the main no, event.
2: Let's, let's go to the main event.
1: All right, the ROH Tag Team titles are on the line in a ladder match as the Briscoes became i I'm, ten... I'm
2: sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
1: A ladder war. War, sorry. Yes, war. That's the difference. Yes, trademark. Uh, the Briscoes became ten-time ROH Tag Champions by grabbing the belts down and defeating uh. SoCal Censored, and the Young Bucks. And again, like I said, in this match... I felt that all six of these guys, at one point in time in the match, were done.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, blood blood galore. Uh, did, goddamn, this was exhausting to watch, uh, the rate at which these guys worked this match. Uh, we, we could go over so many spots and, and single things out, but I guess d- overriding ideas, I, I am... Look, the Briscoes are, heck- are, are really, really talented workers, really good tag team. My only issue with the Briscoes at this point is I think we've just done everything we can do with the Briscoes as Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions at this point. They sort of need to move on and do something else. And I know they've had singles runs in the past. And I, I just, I mean, I don't know what that thing is, but it's sort of like... <sighs> got it's like if kane came back for another WWE championship run it's like we've seen it we've done it there's nothing else we need to do with this um except kane can't work anymore and these guys can uh scu is outstanding and apparently they're going to be part of if you believe what happened in the ring after this event uh they're going to be part of that group moving on with the elite as well so you know this is clearly why they need to get the belts off of them um But they're a fantastic team. I think Kazarian was busted open before the match even started. That guy (laughs) fucking bled. I was I was concerned for his well
1: being at a certain point. Uh, (laughs) Um, When you when you bleed profusely throughout like a twenty minute fucking time period, you start to worry. Like, is there any blood left in this guy?
2: Right. (laughs) Um, And and for the Bucks, I've been critical of the Bucks in the past, but uh, as as other people have uh, for. Calling out their inability or, or unwillingness, at least, to sort of sell, similar to what I talked about earlier with uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Um, they, they've really, really improved in that area. I think they did a great job here making everyone, helping everyone look good. Uh, and I think they've been doing that now for a little bit. So uh, that criticism, I think, needs to come off of them at this point. I don't think it's true anymore. I don't think they're simply high spot wrestlers anymore. I think they've turned into really good storytellers. Uh, and, and that's pretty much all I got to say about that.
1: Um, to me, I mean, all these guys got their got their spots in. They all looked good. Um, they all took turns, you know, taking things. Um, to me, the spot that will be replayed over and over and over again has got to be Matt Jackson just getting obliterated. Falling off the top of a ladder through a fucking table. Looked like he slammed his head into another table and just... I don't like whatever. Whatever somebody tells you, like wrestling is, is fake. Just show them that clip and be like, D- "Can you do that and not be injured?" Because right. this fucker did. Yeah, and it's a good thing that it, by from from all uh, all rumors and reports that it's going to probably be a good eight or nine months before all elite wrestling becomes a thing. Because I wouldn't be shocked if these guys couldn't work for those couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> and if if you know if these guys were going to some place like WWE or some or uh, impact or something that needed them to work in a week or two as their new employer I'd be like are you fucking kidding me like <laughs> you're taking spots like that and you're going to be you're going to be leaving the organization to do a match like that for your final uh, you know pay-per-view match for a company like that's crazy yeah. you know they they didn't have to do a lot of the stuff they did but right. they did it because yeah. it was entertaining yep so, more power to him on that, and and um, you know, rest in peace, Matt Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so all in all, um, my opinion on the show it was it was very good. Um, obviously, it it had much like most pay per views, it had its its highs and lows, more highs than lows, which is good in my opinion. Um, you know, you, you you're you're probably not going to walk out of a show being happy with. Uh, 100% of the matches that that go on it, but this one was was fairly good.
2: So <clears throat> here was my problem with the overall pay per view. Mm-hmm. Every one of the matches was was really good. I really enjoyed pretty much everything on the card match wise, and and that's sort of a staple of Ring of Honor. The in ring product is usually fantastic, and and I don't think this was any different. Um, but from a storytelling perspective, every fan in that arena pretty much knew that it was the last hurrah for the Bucks and Cody and they didn't do anything. Like if I left that show, I'd be like, Oh, all right. Well, ring of honor is probably going to suck without those guys. It was nothing new to excite the fans to go. Holy shit. I got to see where we go now. Um, that big new debut, that big, huge storyline, something that's a, a thread to linger. It was just sort of like the farewell tour of the elite, uh, rather than giving you anything or any reason to sort of follow that so if i was a an elite fan a guy who came into ring of honor as a fan of the bucks and marty like i I, i'm leaving that show and i'm like i have no real reason to come back now that they're gone like there's nothing there's there's no holy shit moment there and i think that was a missed opportunity on their part
1: fair enough yeah i i can see that for sure um this did feel more like a, a farewell to the elite then like you said, that that it should have been more of a, okay, we understand these guys are leaving, so let's let's transition some things, let's try to hook, hook the guys to come next time. because yeah, I'd be interested to see the breakdown between Final Battle and the, their next pay-per-view yeah. event, and, and see how much of a hit that they actually take, because we know they're going to take at least a little bit of a hit right, Um, that's just to be yeah. had when you lose that many people, but yeah and,
2: and we knew they had signed both PCO and Brody King, and like, yeah. okay, so Here's a spot where you, and they did introduce them at the tapings, but here's a spot where you could sort of introduce them at a pay-per-view in a big spot and sort of set up something going forward yeah. and at least have sort of that exciting moment, that that thing to build on that wasn't just, oh, these, we're focusing on the guys who are here rather than focusing on the guys who are leaving.
1: Yeah. I mean, you could have easily had it where, you know, Jeff Cobb retains his TV championship and then out comes PCO and you're like, oh shit, you know, that. It sets up a, up a future feud and it introduces a new character on your show. So, right. Um, but you know, we'll kind of see what happens next time. Uh, but we're done talking about things that we like, and now it's time to talk about <laughs> the WWE and TLC. Uh, tender little cunts happened this <laughs> Sunday. Uh, we started <laughs> we started things uh, right off the bat. Mixed match challenge final. As R-Truth and Carmella defeated Jinder Mahal. Dance break! Now you have to edit in dance music, not just your terrible beatboxing. No, I'm flossing. That's all people need. Okay, there you go. Uh, Speaking of flossing, Carmella... (laughs) Um, But anyways, uh, yeah, so no... That's why
2: I love the dance breaks. Anytime you get to see Carmella shake it for a couple seconds. That's true.
1: Well, we also get to see Carmella jump into R-Truth's hands and get that A's. Anyways, um, no surprise here. All of us picked R-Truth and Carmella. Nobody really thought that Alicia Fox and Jinder Mahal were going to, to win this because it didn't make any sense. So now that we have R-Truth and Carmella as the number 30th entries in both Royal Rumbles, which completely takes the surprise out of the final entrant, which is a dumb thing to do.
2: Eh, I, um, the, the, the surprise will be 29 then. I don't have. I don't think that's a big issue.
1: Well, you know, uh, at least with R-Truth, there we know it's going to be some kind of coming spot and he'll be instantly eliminated. Uh, Carmella I mean she she'll decided, do a dance break she'll most likely do a dance break and probably get chucked out by fucking birth Back. or something Back. like uh, <laughs> so yeah so so those two won uh, rumor has it that they are taping at uh, um, WB headquarters right now to do some um, Just because the R truth
2: is stupid, and when they asked him where he wanted to go on vacation, he said WWE headquarters. Yeah.
1: So they're they're filming that, and so that's going to be their storyline for the next couple of weeks. Uh, or at least the beginning of January until we get to the rumble. You could have gone somewhere tropical
2: or at least got Carmel in a bikini or something.
1: But who's to say she can't show up at WWE headquarters in bikini? Well, it is the middle of winter in Connecticut. Ah, yeah, once you get inside the building it's heated.
0: Yeah.
1: Um the, a match that was on the pre-show that definitely shouldn't have been on the pre-show, the Cruiserweight Championship match took place as Buddy Murphy successfully defended against Seti Alexander. Uh, Jeff was the only one that picked Cedric Alexander, which being the 205 Live guy you'd think. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit better sense in his head than that, but apparently not. Uh, this match was... Do you even Cruiserweight, bro? Yeah, come on, man. Uh, this match was exactly what you thought it would be. Uh, two great workers... Uh, Buddy really has has gone far above what I think we ever thought he was going to become. Yeah. Um, it just he he seemed like such an afterthought and such like a, a, a mediocre generic worker when he was part of Banff. Um, and then now that he's been able to run by on on his own and kind of changed up his style, he's really become the the correct choice for the focal point of two of five five.
2: Yep. No, and and Cedric's fantastic. These two have great chemistry in the ring, and he got that big day in on, too. Exactly. Uh, I didn't watch the the pre-show as I rarely watch the kickoff show, so I haven't seen this match yet. But I can assume, given their history, that it was fantastic, and I'm looking forward to going back and checking it out. Yeah. There you go. Oh. Uh, oh, we are we are not in order here. I totally didn't realize that. we're
1: we're, we're not in order, and that's fine. Um, because at least I can get this shit out of the way. So let's uh, let's
2: do Elias, because that was a kickoff match. So Oh,
1: yeah, that's right, yeah. So Elias and Bobby Lashley were a kickoff match. It was a ladder match with Elias's guitar above now, the ring.
2: So, as I recall, the lead into this match was that the winner would be allowed to use the guitar. The person that climbed to the top, got the guitar, yes. would be allowed to use it. But as I understand it, Elias got the guitar like it was a
1: championship belt, and they just called out the win. So, yes, Elias pulled the, the... So, in the record books, Elias won this match. But he didn't hit Bobby Lashley with the guitar. Bobby Lashley hit Elias with the guitar. So, yes, Elias, when the the, the match was to retrieve the guitar, it wasn't retrieve the guitar and hit your opponent. Like, what in the absolute fuck? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> because, yeah... It made no sense, and it made Elias look like a fucking idiot that comes down with a guitar, and he's celebrating, and the fucking guitar gets taken out of his hand, and he gets slammed with it. It was the dumbest fucking thing ever. Yeah, it was not good. Um, but, you know, that's that's the shit. So, <laughs> um, Then we had a tables match to kick off. Did we kick off? I don't fucking care at this point because I don't want to even talk about this. Uh, that was, uh,
2: the, the the first match was the uh, TLC match with Braun and Baron, wasn't it?
1: Hold on. Let me go to the peds. I'll just go off of the peds. Okay. Because they've, they've got it in order. TLC 2018. There you go. Tables, ladders, and chairs.
2: Okay. We really have to organize this shit better.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. the Well, no, the first match was the mixed match challenge finals. Right, yeah, but we already covered that. So now we're on to the triple threat tag team match for the SmackDown tag team oh, championships okay. as the bar successfully defended against the New Day and the Oozles. Um, I know that's when when the bar first was created. That there was obviously because it's it's us uh, a lot a lot of pushback on it because it was yet again another another two singles guys thrown together in a team. Uh, but at this point, this team has been together for so long that they have reached that New Day status of it's not just random guys thrown together. This is a tag team. Um, you know, Cesaro and Sheamus are one of the best tag teams that, that they have on the roster right now. Can, can we just
2: go to the extent of saying Cesaro is one of the best tag team wrestlers in the world? I Clearly. mean. Clearly, Every yeah. time Chris Hero and <laughs> the Kings of Wrestling, mm-hmm. his his teaming with with TJ Kidd prior to TJ's injury was fantastic as the yeah. best tag team ever oh, or gosh. whatever they called themselves. Um, and now this is this is working in a way I don't think any of us expected it to. So uh, the common denominator is clearly Cesaro is just fantastic as a tag team worker.
1: Yeah, and Sheamus has done you know a, a really good job as well. Yep. these two fit in well together. They've got great chemistry together. Yeah, they definitely are. At this point, if they break them up, you'd be like, "What? You know, what do they do now with them?" Because yeah, they've been so good together. Um, and Cesaro is a guy I you know that at one point in time, the IWC wanted him, uh, you know, to be world champion, stuff like that. The guy's had a great career in WWE. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: You know, <clears throat> multi-time tag team champion. He's been a U.S. champion. You know, so he, he's a guy that, that definitely has. Has overcome some of the booking limitations and definitely has made the most of what he is. Um, okay. This match was another uh, fine display of three great teams. It, it again showed that the SmackDown tag team division is better than the Raw tag team division, hands down, but, <laughs> any day. See, but we already knew that. And my
2: only problem with this, as, as great as this is, this is just the, the same three teams we've seen headline and have fantastic matches on a regular basis. Like, yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about it on SmackDown. It looks like we're starting to incorporate some other teams, but it's almost like these teams are so good that they they drown out every other team on the SmackDown roster, and I think they need to
1: change that. Yeah, so here's here's the issue is that in 2018, every pay-per-view that these SmackDown Tag Team Championships have been defended on other than 2 have featured The Bar, The New Day, and The Usos. The only two that didn't was that time that the Bludgeon brothers and the club faced off against each other in two, two consecutive pay per views. Right. Other than that, it's been these guys, and that is an issue. Um, and the bar wasn't even on SmackDown for half of those. Right. <laughs> so that's yeah, Exactly. to show you, you know, and it's not that that's going to continue unless the bar drops the belts on a random SmackDown episode that we know Royal Rumble. The bar is going to be in a tag team title match. You know, after that we don't know what's going to happen, but. You know, are they? Will they take it off and give it to Sanity and and have Sanity face off against the the club? And you uh, know, I, I think it's I the Cologne's team? time to shine. I don't even know that they exist anymore.
2: <laughs> they, uh, no, but they yeah. were they were backstage with with Shane McMahon on SmackDown.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you you're right. I mean, it's it's time if they were going to do like a superstar shakeup or something like that. You would I would think either the Usos or the New Day have to go over to Raw because, uh, yeah, they're. Yeah, but didn't the New Day just come from Raw not that long ago? The Usos have never been on Raw. They've been right. tag team champions over on Raw before they were the Raw tag team championships. Right. Uh, but yeah, they've, they've actually not been on... They've been on SmackDown the entire time throughout, since the spirit. So I would love to see the Usos over on Raw. They, they could take their fucking, you know, ass throwing around could, life with them.
2: They, um, could, uh, they could form their the the samoan dynasty i've talked
1: about forever with roman that would be great except for the fact that roman is out right now well right (laughs) now yeah yeah um so yeah so next is the tlc match uh but if he didn't get enough of that it was on raw on raw again but we'll get a bit a little bit so braun Strowman was against baron corbin and this turned into everyone beats the shit out of corbin Strowman comes in and pins and gets the win and it took 16 minutes yeah. Uh, but yeah. So since Strowman won, he gets his Universal title match uh, at Royal Rumble, and Corbin is stripped did, of being the GM. Did I miss something? What did What did Corbin do to Apollo Cruz? So this is a, <laughs> this is the same kind of thing that I talked about with. Why are the tag team champions mad at him? Yeah, he he made someone... That him. I understood. That yeah, I the got. the tag team champions, though.
2: <laughs> sure, but he never gave them the, the opportunity that we saw on television. All we saw was the, the last time we saw them interacting, it was him setting up Bobby Roode to be on a three-on-one beatdown. So I understand that. That makes sense to me. What the fuck did he do to Apollo Cruz? I don't even remember. Was there something that I'm not remembering?
1: Uh, maybe on main events? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it was weird. Uh, it was weird that he was in there, but I guess, you know. It would have been weirder if, like, Ty Dillinger showed up and be like, why why are you upset with Baron Corbin?
2: Well, Dillinger's but, on SmackDown, isn't he?
1: That would have been really weird. Who fucking knows at this point, dude? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so this was stupid. So what'd um, you think of knew...
2: work right in that
1: match? Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, uh... Because, like I said, if, if you missed it, we redid it on fucking Monday Night Raw. No, no. Cool. Monday Night Raw was all fresh and new. All fresh and new, yep. Yeah. So fresh and so clean, clean. Yeah. Uh, the next match uh, featured a queef. The queen queef, the queen of queefs, Natalia, defeated Ruby Riott. is the queef tra- of hearts? The queef of hearts. That's right. Sorry. The queef of farts. Uh, pussy farts, to be exact. This match was fucking garbage. <clears throat> um, really? Fuck Natalia. Um, so I'm not an Natalia fan.
2: I actually really enjoyed this match. Uh, I thought Ruby was fantastic. I thought they worked the story of Natalia taking out the Riot family one at a time tremendously. I thought that bump Liv Morganton oh. was fucking sick. Jesus uh, Christ. Now knowing that she's okay, give her a ton of credit because that was fantastic. Uh, yeah. I thought Sarah Logan was great in her spots. I thought, I, you know, the the... The end with Natalia putting the jacket on was a little hokey, but Natalia even accidentally put the sharpshooter on correctly in this match. Yeah. Amazingly. amazing. Um, did, didn't do th- it the next night, but hey. <laughs> I thought Ruby was fantastic here. Uh, I, I, I did not expect to enjoy this match, and I found myself really sort of into it. All
1: right. well, it was really dumb that we had Natalia bring out a table that somehow had Ruby Riot's face on it. Um, and, <laughs> Why is that dumb? The story was Ruby had
2: just brought out one with Jim Neidhart's face on it to to mock Natalia, saying that's the table I'm going to put you through. And Ruby and and Natalia brought out one to show Ruby that she was going to be broken in a table of her broken image as well. I thought that was fine. <sighs> <laughs> just storytelling, man. It's I, just I, it's I just any
1: it's just anything that has to do with Natalia right now. I'm pissed off about so. Um. You, and got, you course, gotta
2: let go of the bitterness, sir.
1: I'm not going to. That's it's what keeps me. Alive. I thought
2: I thought you were supposed to be positive, Troy. Now.
1: Oh, that didn't last very fucking long. I did. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next match is Balor and McIntyre, by the way. Okay. Um, because you had it switched on there. I did. So I just deleted the other one. Uh, so Finn Balor successfully defeated Drew McIntyre, which who would have saw that fucking coming? Adam. Um, The only thing that but it wasn't the only thing that uh, that we saw coming because I definitely was Uh, Finn Finn Balor appears as if he might be getting a little bit of a push because he defeated the guy who we thought was getting a push. So, yeah,
2: Yeah, no, and uh, if there's one thing we can say coming out of this hole, we're listening to the fans more. It does seem that they are finally getting behind Balor a little bit. Uh, the way the fans have wanted them to since he came up from NXT.
1: Please, do not use the term getting behind Balor in a sentence and not expect me to have a full erection, man. Right.
2: <laughs> well, those those tights on Raw were very, oh, very tight. Oh my gosh,
1: man. you almost made me fucking break my pants, dude.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, this match was... I, Go ahead. I, I could have done without more Dolph Ziggler in my world in, ah. in terms of this feud. I understood it was sort of the out for for the pinfall victory over... Mm. Uh, McIntyre without McIntyre, sort of looking bad. But th- dude, I I wish we could get over this shit where we have to have interference and distraction finishes because you know it's, we gotta make keep this guy looking strong. Like you can lose a match and still look strong. It's fine. Ring of Honor does that shit all the fucking time. Guess what? People lose matches. It's okay. You know, fucking last week the the Patriots lost to the Steelers. Guess what? Patriots are still gonna go to the playoffs. They're gonna be fine.
1: You, yeah, you but you lose. know what? My Texans are now number two set. Yeah, it's because you gave
2: out your real team sucked, so you switch sides. Um, <laughs> I have two favorite teams. <laughs> yeah, that's such a cop out. People hey, to do that shit. I can although, li- I
1: can like pussy and asshole. Although
2: equally, I, right? I know I know people that say I like Red Sox and Yankees. I'm like you can't fucking do that. That's not allowed. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. See,
1: mine are in different conferences. All right?
2: Yeah. Pussy and dick. Yes. Okay. Um. <laughs> Yeah, no, I could have done without Ziggler here. Let's let's just fucking let Balor... If you want to really push Balor, let him have a fucking clean win over him. And then, so, Ziggler turns face and helps Balor win, and then turns heel and attacks Balor in the back. It's just fucking weird, and, and I could have totally done without it.
1: Me too. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that definitely happened. <sighs> that, the next match had one thing that I'm going to reference, and then I'm not going to talk about the rest of the match. Rey Mysterio defeated Randy Orton in a chairs match, which is a dumb match, by the way. And it continues to beg the question, if you put someone through a table in a chairs match, are you disqualified? I don't know. We haven't found out yet. Yeah. Uh, The funniest thing for me was, of course, Rey Mysterio... um, boogie boarding on a chair to the outside that's of the ring and holding radio it <laughs> was great that um, awesome but otherwise to me it's I, it's why I, why, did, why would he why does he have to win by stealing a win he's a former world champion too I get but that speaks again
2: to that whole thing of, of we gotta keep everybody strong and I yeah. think that's that's sort of their, their mentality with like the 50-50 booking if everybody's winning and everybody's losing then you know nobody's better than the others and I think that's a problem they have that they eventually have to get over at some point, hopefully. Um, but so, uh, in terms of this match, I thought the match was told beautifully. I thought the the integration of chairs into the match was done well. It wasn't hokey or over the top or forced. I thought they did. I thought these guys worked a really solid match. I really enjoyed watching what they did in the ring. Uh, you can have your qualms with the ending or even the style of match, but. All things told, when I watch these matches, I want to be entertained by the wrestling product, and I was entertained by this match.
1: Fair enough. I mean, it's it's two guys that we've seen face off against each other a lot. But in not in a while. It, it's been a while, yeah. Mysterio obviously has a, a slightly different style than before, just because his his style of wind wearing work doesn't really age well, when you've got a lot of injuries building up and things like that. Yeah, so but he, he still
2: looks bit. just tremendous in the ring.
1: Yeah, he definitely has, yeah. Um, I'm just curious on... What they're going to do with him, because he seems like he's treading water right now, for a, a good part of this. I, I
2: I would not be at all surprised if we see him as the next sort of program for the new
1: Daniel Bryan. Could be, yeah. He's he's right there. He's somebody that they can definitely use to get Bryan more, more over as a and heel. So, uh, the next match, which and he also... can land
2: with his knees full force on Daniel Bryan's chest as well. And. No. <laughs>
1: Uh, the next match was the second shortest match of the night, uh, second only to the fabulous Truth defeating Mahalisha, uh, and that was Ronda Rousey successfully defending her championship against Nia Jax. Uh, most likely, they just didn't want to go 11 minutes in this match because that gave Nia Jax more time to injure Ronda Rousey. Uh, but <laughs> uh, not only not only did we have you know Nia Jax lose her her guaranteed championship match. Uh, But then we just seem to write off her feud with Becky Lynch by having Becky punch the fucking lights out on Nia Jax backstage and to yell at her, keep your name out of my mouth. So Nia Jax seems like she's not going to be doing anything for a little bit of time.
2: (laughs) No, I think they they gave themselves a a thing where she had to have a title shot because she wanted evolution. So they said, "Okay, here's your title shot. Now, fucking you're you're reckless. Get the fuck out of the ring. Yeah. Um, I think I said it in our host thread, but I actually enjoyed this match. I thought they did a nice job. I think maybe the thing I enjoy, I guess, because Ronda is so like physically intimidating to most of her opposition. Like you look at her next to Bliss, for example, or most of the women on that roster, and she just looks more dangerous and more imposing. But next to Nia Jax, Ronda has to sort of wrestle a completely different style. She can't overpower and dominate Nia Jax. So she has to do more fast paced stuff, more sort of flying, more sort of flips. And I, it's very good the way they they tell that story with her and they, the two matches that they've had. Um, and I thought they, they wove together a nice little story with Rhonda sort of kissing, kissing goodbye to her fist that she's been waving in her face. And I, I thought they did a really nice job. I thought nobody came out of it hurt. I thought the match was solid. I thought you got the result you needed. I. I Truth be told, I expected a lot worse when I saw it was Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey. And, yeah. again, we talk about being entertained. I was entertained by this match. Yeah.
1: Um, I think is another one of those people that, at the end of the day, we completely underestimated how, how smooth of a transition she was going to have. And she has been really fucking good now I know they're still trying to protect her a little bit um, and definitely taking much more time on her matches and doing a little bit more of you know working on things but you still gotta deliver and she's delivering you know now sometimes her promo work is a little iffy and there's little there's there needs to be a little more consistency there but that's sure with a lot of different people this is you know uh, but yeah so far she's been really impressive and you know and It seems like it's going to continue.
2: And I think similar to what we see with Becky, Becky has a face. Her promos were not super strong, but once she was allowed to have a little more edge, her promos have been fantastic. And I think with Rhonda, once she's not trying to be white meat baby face anymore, I think we might see
1: sort of an evolution of those promos, too. And she didn't start that way. When we, when we first got Rhonda, she was doing a little bit more of the, like, I'm going to break your fucking arm stuff, and, and her stuff right. with Stephanie, stuff like that. And that promo on Monday was, ugh. We'll get to it. But it wasn't
2: quite Millennial Man bad, but it was...
1: It, it wasn't, but it was it was up there, let's be honest. Uh, but moving right along, because this show was getting a little long, and we haven't even reached the perfect time yet. Uh, Daniel Bryan successfully defended his WWE Championship against A. Jizzle Stizzle. And uh, to me, this was a great match. Uh, I think we knew it was going to (laughs) be. Are you all right over there? Do you ever have a burp that just comes
2: up and goes through your nose instead of your mouth? Yeah. yeah. That's what just happened. It caught me off guard.
1: Nice. (laughs) Uh, This match delivered for sure. Uh, Brian and Styles have been great together. This new style of wrestling that Brian does, not only is it safer on his body, obviously, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it really works well with his his new persona as well. Yeah, um, you know, doing a lot more of the of the submission moves and doing a lot more punishing stuff, not you know, not really doing the like, look at me and and I just want to have a good match. It shows that he's taking the character seriously. Yeah, so, no but
2: flying headbutts is probably good too.
1: Yeah, oh, it's, uh, personally, like of all the moves you ban, you're not going to ban the one where somebody drives their unprotected head into another person's body. That doesn't seem very smart.
2: Save that shit for New Japan, where we, yeah. we we love unprotected headshots. Exactly,
1: and we and we love it when our guys break their fucking necks because they're getting landed on. Yeah, yeah. We,
2: yeah some, people, some people some people <clears throat> might crack their skulls with shoot headbutts, but
1: yeah, it, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's all it's all part of the game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so Daniel Bryan continues to be W champion. Uh, I was a little disappointed because it sounded like he was going to replace a leather strap, but still the same old strap on on SmackDown. So.
2: I think they were going to replace it with hemp, but then they were afraid of the smoke it up chant, so...
1: Oh, that's true. That's that could true. be a thing. I don't know. There's other uh, things. You could have them <laughs> belt. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I thought the match to work was fantastic. The end was a little sort of anticlimactic, I guess, for me, but all things told, I, I really enjoyed the match. I you know, I didn't expect AJ to, to reclaim the title, so... Um, I I didn't have nearly as many issues with this match as I had with the one we're about
1: to talk about. Oh, oh, that is exactly why I'm going to take a step back, crack my knuckles, and let you go on this one. Because Dean Ambrose is your new Intercontinental Champion after defeating Seth Rollins. And to prove that they thought that this was still a hot feud, they put this on second to last. They put this on after the WWE Championship match.
2: So, well, I mean, it was this. It's the second. It's
1: the biggest title on RAW. So you know. Yeah. Well, it's not the not, not the biggest title on this show. So take it away, Jason.
2: <sighs> I I don't know entirely where to start. Uh, first off. We talked about the build and how the build took all the heat out of this match, and it was fucking very, very clear. Um, I'm going to preface this by saying, by all reports, Vince McMahon was not at all fucking happy with this match backstage. So this is not simply me being smarky, you know, critical wrestling fan. I just praised Nia Jackson, and Ronda Rousey for their match. So I went into this with a very clean palette, very positive about this show. Uh, and then this match happened. And these two guys who have this Seth just wants to absolutely kill Dean and he comes out and he's burning it down and he's like slow walk into the ring, like drop that belt full speed to the fucking ring, pull his legs and start beating the shit out of him. Um, But, but Jason,
1: uh, in this blood feud, what was the first move they did in the match? Oh, well, what was it, Troy? Go ahead. Oh, a collar elbow tie up.
2: Yeah. And that always pisses me off. these, Mm -hmm. these. Storylines like that, the collar and elbow tie-up, the fucking... This is... You're supposed to fucking hate each other. These are grown men who fucking hate each other. Who amongst us has ever gotten into a fight at a bar or a sporting event? I I know when I do, the first thing I do is a collar and elbow tie-up with the the fella I'm having a disagreement with. Me and that gent, we definitely lock up. And uh, we jockey for position. No. You fucking punch someone in the face. And this match didn't have nearly enough emotion in it. And I'm not going to blame Seth because I've seen Seth have this. What I have yet to see is Dean Ambrose do a match that conveys the emotion they want it to. A Dean Ambrose match that you leave going, wow, that's, uh, that's so much better than what I expected it would be going in. Every single time, and I've said it on this show before, and Sal and Sal, you're listening, and I'm sure you're shaking your head and saying, you know what the fuck you're talking about. But I'ma say it again. Every single time Dean Ambrose is out there, his matches underwhelm. And we're not just talking about Seth, we're talking about some some great workers. I mean, Brock Lesnar, for you can dislike how he's booked or used, but he can work in the ring. Um We're talking about Chris Jericho. You want to tell tell me Chris Jericho can't work, can't convey emotion, can't have a great match? I don't think so. So Dean Ambrose is the common denominator. Bray Wyatt's another guy who can really work and convey emotion in a match. We've seen it plenty of times. Um, So the only common denominator here is Dean, and Dean doesn't carry what they want him to. And Dean had one of the hottest characters in the company that night he turned on Roman and whether it's by him or the writing staff and i'm willing to but the writing staff ain't in the ring with him and he's not conveying that emotion in the ring either so i'm going to give a lot of the blame to dean on this one um i don't want renee down commentating on dean's matches anymore it's it's too much of a distraction at this point in commentary um if they could find a way to sort of be professional and leave it alone then it would probably be fine it's not renee herself it's the way they continue to belittle her during the matches, because you know women can't have husbands, um, it's just fucking really weird. Um,
1: it's, but, it's it's weird too when you think about the fact that like JR wasn't asking Lawler what his his son was thinking when Tukul was heels.
0: You know, well,
2: he did he did refer to him as you know. Lawler's son. He did did throw those things out there. But they didn't ever go, hey, so so during this match featuring the cat versus Sable, hey, when you were fucking the cat last night, Jerry, what did she, like, no! They didn't do that shit. They don't do that shit to men, really. They do that shit to, uh, well, women because it's your husband, we have to... No, it's fucking bullshit. But... The far more offensive thing about this match, and I've been on Seth for this before. I was on Seth for this at WrestleMania, same fucking shit. Don't sell your knee. Don't fucking tell me your knee is so hurt you can barely walk and 30 seconds later do a fucking Phoenix splash or a fucking, like, just don't. Because you make yourself look like an asshole. You sell the knee or you don't fake, you don't play the injury to the knee play the injury to the arm because then your legs work fine but you can't have a knee injury that you can't even walk and then all of a sudden later you're running up to the top rope and executing suplexes it's just it it takes all realism and reality out of your performance It, it takes away from your performance it takes the fans out of the match it's just really poor, poor agent work and booking of a, and laying out of a match when you see that shit happen. And yeah. Seth, at this point, should know better,
1: considering that the next night you had Bailey selling a knee injury and doing a pretty good job of it throughout out that gauntlet match, it goes to show you that it is tough. And in one case, it made a difference. You know, Bailey essentially loses because of her knee continuing to give out. Seth doesn't lose because his knee is hurt. He just lost the match. And, yeah, it just was... It, it's, it's been, like, enough is enough, man. Like, you realize that these guys have surgery and it's supposed to make their knee, like, almost 100%, right? Like, they shouldn't be coming back. And,
2: and that was, like, two fucking years ago.
1: Yeah. It's been long enough, man. Like, that shit... If... if Yes, sometimes you you can re-injure a knee. Typically, it's not because you've had surgery, surgery repaired on it. It's just because you had fuck another injury. So he, he
2: went for the sunset flip power bomb, landed, collapsed, like his knee gave out. Similar to when he legitimately injured it against Kane. Yeah. And then I shit you not, within the next 90 seconds, executed a running buckle bomb, where you run across the ring carrying your opponent in the air yeah like are you fucking kidding me
1: like I am not in shape and I have old man knees and I can tell you that when I'm carrying my 22 pound child and my knees start to hurt I'm gonna put that fucker down alright <laughs> <laughs> I'm not carrying a 200 pound dude
2: if you, again and, and and it's degrees if you want to say oh shit my knee just boom and I'm and, uh, moving around fine don't fucking collapse on your knee yeah. and then and he, 30 seconds later try to tell me you can execute a buckle bomb and then do another one out on the floor into the ringside barrier
1: and it's kind of a mainstay now he does this quite a lot most of his pay-per-view matches have now featured a spot where he does that stupid collapsing shit with his knee yeah and it's like it's like all right man so either you're fucking you have like derek rose knees or <laughs> <laughs> or Get fucking over it and find a new way to like to try to try to build more sympathy for yourself. Uh, Alright, let's talk about something that was actually good. The main event of this match was a TLC match for the SmackDown Women's Championship between Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, and Asuka. Um this was a, a match that we legit thought that almost all three of these people got injured in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Charlotte. Ugh. Took a took a just a fucking hellacious hit when uh, Becky tried to do the leg drop and instead landed beautiful ass first right on fucking Charlotte's tummy,
2: and the table uh, didn't give, so she, it, Becky basically yeah. just bounced off of her.
1: Yeah, it was yeah the the table only gave after Becky started sliding off of Charlotte yeah. and kind of toppled it over a little bit.
2: Like, fucking thanks table. Yeah.
1: So of course. A lot of us were kind of t- taken, be like, is "She okay? Like that might have cracked some ribs or something like that." But she was able to then drive Oscar through the fucking, you know, spear her through the side of things. So you're like, "Okay, she's okay." But then,
2: well, is fucking- okay-ish. I mean, okay-ish,
1: yeah. It definitely she didn't, didn't,
2: she didn't work anything. this this taping. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Yeah, It de- it
1: wasn't, it wasn't anything serious enough for her to miss a considerable amount of time, but it was something that definitely fucking hurt like hell yes. and probably was sore for the next couple of days. Um, Becky took uh, uh, took a little bit of a fall, too. And, of course, with Becky, you're a little bit concerned considering the concussion everything like that, um, you know, working a match like this. Um, Charlotte totally tried to murder Asuka with her tits, which I approve of. <laughs> yeah, she, um,
2: she had full-on forced Oscar to motorboat her.
1: Which was so weird. <laughs> it really was. And the it camera did. made a point to get in there, too. So. Yeah, and it was like, it was like, why is she doing this? This isn't doing anything to Asuka. <laughs> like, like it was on like, a
2: spear. And, yeah. you know,
1: it's just like, oh, well, here's my tits. Yeah. It was It was, it was like, like a...
2: you threw a dollar at her on stage. It was really <laughs> fucking...
1: It it reminded me a lot of um, that time that, that um, Bubba Ray powerbombed, I think it was Tori or something like that. Oh, no, no, it was uh, um Divon slammed his head into her crotch or something like that. Or no, it was a bubble ray. Right? One one of one of the Dudley boys did the the fucking thing where they slammed their head into the crotch and laid in their crotch for a while. It reminded me of that, where it was just like, hey right, you can get up now, dude. Like, <laughs> that's the same thing with this. It's like, all right, you speared her. I get that you're trying to kind of sell it, but your tits are right in her fucking face, there, dude.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. But at the end of this match, Asuka was able to retrieve the SmackDown Women's Championship, thus. Winning her first WWE Championship. Thanks to a little help. Thanks to a little help, because that's right. Right at the end of this match, Ronda Rousey came running out to the ring. Ah, she didn't really run. She more to sauntered. Well, yeah. She, she she walked up to the ring. Was able to distract him enough where Asuka was able to capitalize. Um, so... Push awesome. pushed, pushed down the ladder with both Becky and
2: Charlotte on it. Ironically enough, a ladder that was in position where neither one of them would have been able to actually no. reach the belt.
1: <laughs> no. Which we understand why, but still it was like, all right, well, that was kind of pointless anyways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, b- forgive me for saying uh tale of two Asians because our <laughs> our Royal Rumble winners – one of them finally won their first championship. The other one wasn't booked, but has a championship. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, um, well, he, he
2: still had it with this stuff was going on. Technically, in terms of television, still has it. Um, sure. sure. Hashtag spoilers. Has um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this this really I mean, you you covered all the major points. There's not a whole lot more to add. This was a fantastic match worthy of the main event spot um, and set up beautifully for, for the next few months of, of what's coming, which I obviously believe culminates with uh, Becky and, and Rousey at WrestleMania as well.
1: There doesn't seem to be any indication that's not going to happen at this point. It no, continues I, to be the hottest feud, and now yeah. taking surprisingly taking the title away from this feud is somehow still keeping it hot.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think at this point Charlotte Charlotte gets Ronda at the Rumble. Becky wins the Rumble, and we get Becky and Ronda at Mania for the Raw Women's
1: Championship. Or, I mean, that or we get a triple threat match. But either way, yeah, the women are main event in WrestleMania this year. Well, Roman, Roman Reigns's cancer definitely put the final nail in the well, coffin on that one too. So, so we say that the women are definitely main eventing
2: WrestleMania. I I will throw in the caveat: if The Rock decides he's wrestling right. at WrestleMania, The
1: Rock is main eventing WrestleMania. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which. To me, would be kind of a shame, because these these women deserve it, and th- and now is the time, you know. As long as they don't completely fuck this up, which and I'm not putting it past them to not fuck <laughs> this up somehow. Um, yeah, there, there's definitely definitely right now. I would feel ninety percent sure that the women go on last at WrestleMania. Yeah, uh, I hope you're right. Right, but um, before that, we've got, or we've got a lot of things to do before that, but. Now we've come to the point in the show where Jason has to edit in this.
0: The perfect ten. A ten. A ten. A fucking ten.
1: Because it's the perfect ten. And we start things off with Monday Night Raw. And I know this is the topic that everyone is going to be talking about, so we're not going to spend as much time on it as we probably want to, because otherwise our blood pressure is going to go through the roof. Because for the first time ever brand spanking new, the McMahons dominated Raw. We started Raw off with, I kid you not, 30 minutes of the McMahons.
2: Oh, I can beat that.
1: I can beat that.
2: We not only started with 30 minutes of the McMahons, we started with an hour of McMahon-Corbin segments.
1: Yes, that's true. Yeah. Grand grand total, because he showed up again the next hour, too. Uh... (laughs) Yeah, Corbin's all over this This one. The McMahons are all over this. Uh, and this was how we, we started off. So, of course, we started off with a promo uh, where all four McMahons, well, one of them is a Helmsley, but whatever, uh, or let's call it two and a half McMahons. Uh, <laughs> They came out and and in a shoot-style promo said that they've been failing us and they're going to try harder, and we're sorry. We're never going to punch you again in in anger. It's not going to ever happen. By the way, did you do the dishes? You didn't? All right. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Uh, Anyways, so yeah, so the McMahon said that they're going to do – it's going to be be new storylines, new matches, new everything. But first – Here's exactly what happened last night, except this time Braun Strowman isn't here.
2: Yeah. Um, look, was it a great example of we're changing the way we do things? No. That said, I, I, I feel like you sort of going to give him a pass for the first week or two where they're sort of wrapping up storylines and, and we're not really to the point of, you know, redoing everything just yet. It's They're finishing up sort of the shitty stuff. I think there were some signs, uh, a more prominent role. for. uh, We'll get into his part later, so I don't want to get too deep into it here. But an underutilized superstar got sort of a prominent spot on the show. Uh, Balor does look to be getting much more focus and attention put on him. The women got a full hour to run the gauntlet at the end of the show. Um, So I I think there were some signs that, that there are changes coming. There was no piss segments on the show. It's yeah. good. Um, we we even got a win for the revival. So yeah, it's gonna be short lived. But anyways, well, they, they, so okay, so sp- cover your ears if you don't want to hear spoilers, because I know Troy was, was gonna be upset about this. Uh, the revival won a, ta- a match to get them a world title sh- a tag team title shot next week. Uh, they go on and they lose that match to Bobby Roode and Chad Gable, and I know that was I knew as soon as I read it, it was gonna piss off Troy. However, comma. It was their first crack at the title. If this is a program, and I'm sorry, ultimately, what? huh? It was their first crack at the title? In, in this program. Okay. Against Rude and Gable. So if this program ultimately culminates down the road in in, in a month or two or uh, data pay-per-view with the revival winning the tag titles, then yes, this was the beginning of that movement, and I'm okay with it. Tell a story. It doesn't have to all be snap your fingers and all of a sudden we've changed everything. You tell a story to get to where you want to get to. The revival had more focus and, and attention paid to them this week than they have in months, so I'm okay with it. There were no fucking lucha house rules. They were made to look like a credible, legitimate tag team, so I'm fine with it. Let's see how it plays out.
1: I guess my big thing um, was the if you were going to do you know something like this, where you say, "Oh, think we're gonna we're gonna do things differently and change things up," like with that. You shouldn't lead right into the Baron Corbin thing. Agreed. I think I think that there was you, you should have went into the tag team match because then you're you've got people going like, okay, here we go. Revival got to look good, they gotta win, stuff like that. But to have it be Corbin and also like Corbin's thing was wrapped up. He lost. So I didn't feel like there was a need to continue on with that storyline. Same thing with like Elias and, and Bobby Lashley. Like I didn't feel, I feel like that was the end of it. And too often these fucking feuds continue to go on for pay-per-view to pay-per-view when they're not that hot. And it's like, they, they haven't mapped out like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to do this for, you know, for the next three pay-per-views or like that. And they're so fucking, you know, like we don't want to just drop it by, by having one guy win once. Nope. Because, Next time, fucking Bobby Lashley's going to beat Elias at Royal Rumble or some shit like that. And that's... Like, you don't have and, to do that shit.
2: And to your point about things not actually changing, there are signs of that, too, because Bobby Lashley is still bending over and showing his ass to the crowd. So they clearly haven't gotten that fucking memo that the fans don't want to see that shit. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, all told, I, I think there were enough signs from Raw that were moving in a positive direction. As for the Corbin thing, I... My take on it is that it was their misguided representation that the crowd hates this fucking guy so much that they're gonna love it if we really fuck him on the way out.
1: Well, and and um, blame and the crowd, blame the live that, crowd for laughing their asses off at it.
2: Yeah, and I think it was also their way of sort of establishing the the as sort of okay face sort of characters. Now we're gonna be face authority figures and we're gonna lead things in the, this direction. And um, the thing I didn't like is how how shitty do you make Kurt Angle look? That not only could you. Like, you you didn't believe that he could beat Baron Corbin one-on-one, so you had to get all these other fucking people out there. Like, I would have liked to see Kirk get his one-on-one revenge in that spot, more so than the gang mentality beat down.
1: Yeah. Well, and not to mention the fact that, like we said, this went on for way too fucking long. Oh, absolutely. Because you had this take up, you know... 30 minutes of time to this, start the this,
2: show. This, this segment, from the start of the McMahons to the end of the Corbin match, was almost the entire first
1: hour of the show. Yeah. So you have an entire hour to the women, which, more power to you, that's awesome. But then you have another hour on one fucking storyline, so you leave that last hour where you have to quickly cram all this shit in. We have a tag team match, you've got Finn Balor's match, you've got you know, Dean Ambrose's match, stuff like that. So right. it made the rest of the show feel like that that people weren't getting enough time because you spent so much fucking time saying the same fucking thing over and over again. I was fucking bored when every time Baron Corbin tried to talk, the fucking crowd would would boo, and then the McMahons would fucking cheese it up with the crowd, being like, What what's going on? You thought they're, they're booing you, Baron. Oh, let's well, you should give him like oh my fucking enough was enough. Like it was not yeah. funny the first time, yeah, and it was just boring at the end of it.
2: They were trying too hard to establish themselves as faces
1: yeah. at this point,
2: and they, and they sort of had to because the last time, obviously, we've seen Stephanie and Triple H, they were fucking with Ronda Rousey and being assholes. So I
1: think and they felt, Shane Shane was the best in the world.
0: <laughs>
2: now the interesting thing to me is why did we have to go through all this fucking rigmarole to fucking fire Baron Corbin as general manager when we didn't. Keep Paige. We didn't make her fucking go out and fight for her job. She's just like, oh, you you out of work, girl. Sorry, you
1: fired. Yeah. So here's here's the other flip side of this. SmackDown was never the problem. No, it was Raw. Right. Every, every all the focus of the vitriol and 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 anger was at Raw. Was it the right. Raw booking? So the McMahon's taking over is a problem we already had a solution to on SmackDown because. <laughs> We already we, we were already good with SmackDown, and then SmackDown turned around and had a great show and continued to show like yeah they weren't they weren't the problem, we didn't have well, a problem Smith. with the way the SmackDown. Was. Yes, SmackDown hasn't been as good lately, but it definitely has not as been as bad as Raw, and they definitely and it, it, again obviously you're going to look at both shows against each other. They took this whole new and fresh thing and ran with it, and it worked out really well. We didn't have fucking an hour long segment of Shane McMahon.
2: Yeah, and and I don't think, like I said, I don't think SmackDown. I think SmackDown made more strides towards the exciting new things that we're going to build off of than Raw did. But like I said, I, I'm willing to give this a few weeks before I really get critical of it.
1: Right. So let's let's continue um, to talk about Raw a little bit then. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I'm going out of order uh, because, like we said, so the the women did get the entire last hour of the show, which was really cool. I was I was really happy about it. Uh, I was not happy with the end result but it is what it is I well if, from, from a okay so okay. so from a, a a Ronda Rousey standpoint I understand it okay. I understand why you did that because every one of Ronda's matches has been her facing off against somebody that they have given them time they've given them a couple of weeks to work on the match and make it perfect so you're asking Rhonda, who's only been wrestling – this is only going to be like her, what, six match or like that – to turn around and no, – oh
2: she's been doing house shows and stuff. Well, so. Yeah, but
1: still. So you're, you're, so you're asking Rhonda to work another match the day after working uh, a big match with Nia, having very little time and everything like that. So I get why it's Natalia because the two of them train together. They've got chemistry together. they They know how to put on a good match for the Christmas show, and it's just for the Christmas show. It right. wasn't this. This wasn't like a. This is your Royal Rumble match. Right. If if that would have been the case, this would have been a very different conversation. But right. instead, it was a way to showcase the women. And uh, and give them on time. So here's here's a couple of my issues with it. And then we'll, then we'll get into the match itself. We started off this segment with a lackluster, Ronda Rousey promo. Can you, can, will you will you admit that this promo wasn't good? <laughs>
2: no, it wasn't
1: great. Yeah, it wasn't great. It was, the crowd was confused because she's like, this what it takes to be a champion. She was doing like a fucking uh, motivational speech. And it was weird. But then... Champions are the best in the
2: world yeah. and the best people and like, so you people in the crowd who aren't champions, fuck you, fuck. you're all pieces of shit. Like, yeah, it was a little... Yeah.
1: And I understand that they most likely did this because what she did at TLC might have been misconstrued as a heel turn. Right. And they wanted to make sure no 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 she's she's a face. She's a face. Yeah. you cheer. You cheer. You boo the other bitches you cheer. But my other but my other issue was the continuation of the bitches be crazy storyline where then we cut to all the women that were in this match screaming like harpies over each other at at the fucking people because apparently you need okay. to have the people p- play your music at, at the intro to get out there just fucking walk out <laughs> okay so but but
2: allow me this to, to give them credit to this point that's what i would expect when a champion throws an open challenge like a whole bunch of fucking people are like yeah i want to fucking take that match yeah but Instead we've got uh... like 20 minutes of waiting for someone's music to hit like they should be fucking people lined up at the curtain who want to take that opportunity
1: Yeah, but you you could have easily had them come out one by one and and cut little promos why they should do it and then be like, okay, well, now we're going to do the gauntlets. But I guess maybe for time constraints, whatever. Anyways, so the, the match itself.
2: The, the part i didn't like was that they come out they announce the gauntlet and the gauntlet is determined first off i don't think they ever actually said that the match the championship match will be next week so i'm, I'm watching no. this thinking it's going to be after the gauntlet until it got right, uh, too late yeah that i realized okay they, they need to be more clear with that um but I, the part i didn't like was like stephanie comes out we're gonna do a gauntlet and you're gonna start first and yeah. you're gonna face Bailey. Like, there was no fairness to it. It was like, so are these just the two bitches that Stephanie hates the most? Like, doesn't want
1: to well, win? Like, the fuck is so, that? So, not only that, but also it's like, so you're also going to tell me that apparently the Riot Squad doesn't care about the championship.
2: Nor Tamina,
1: nor Nia Jax. Nor
2: Tamina, nor Nia Jax.
1: <laughs> because they weren't in this match. <laughs>
2: Now the the riot squad you can you can make a case they were selling their injuries from the night before where yeah. they went through tables and shit so okay but fair Tamina. enough. <laughs> right to me that didn't suffer any injuries except the brain damage that she's born with yeah. uh, <laughs> and Nia Jax last we saw her, yeah she took a little bit of a beat down from Ronda but she was walking around in the back so she should have been yeah. capable of competing if Ronda yeah. was
1: she got got the taste slapped out of her mouth but she just got the taste slapped out of her mouth right. she, by all by all counts she should have also been here and been like, No no no, if you're, you're handing you're hand on title shots, I need to be in this too. So that was weird. Um but yeah, so then obviously starting with Alicia Fox and Bailey, you're like, Well, Alicia Fox is gonna be the first one out. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bailey uh gets a gets a, a phantom knee injury. Not phantom as in like it just happened on over, but it was a fake knee. It was a storyline knee injury. Not not Seth Rollins
2: phantom, yeah, but yeah
1: um and so that was kind of played up on it but she eliminates alicia fox um she then eliminates dana brooke eliminates dana brooke who more power to dana brooke comes with like a fucking battle to hell and yeah. is just like beating the piss out of her and stuff like that but she winds up losing uh but then she faces mickey then after that yes mickey yep uh and she winds up mickey wins Mickey winds up finally taking her out because the knee injury becomes too much. Yeah. So then from there, it's Mickey against um, Natalia, right? That's when Natalia no. comes out? Nope. Oh, I'm missing somebody. Who am I missing? Sasha. Sasha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so then Sasha Banks comes out. She beats Mickey James. And then Natalia comes out. And, and Natalia, Natalia beats Sasha. Natalia beats Sasha. Yes. Um, so did it with a sharpshooter like that. Again, like I said... Not what I would choose, but also it, it's for a fucking show that I'm not even going to watch next yeah, week. Yeah, it's so. a one-off,
2: and, and yeah, like to to what you said earlier. If this was building for a long-term program, yeah, I'd have a bigger issue with it. But if you're going to have, I would rather not waste a Sasha Ronda match on a one-off <laughs> throwaway yeah. match. Like I would rather yeah. be hit some build for that if we're going to see it, or yeah. if we're going to see Sasha in a, in a high-profile spot.
1: Yeah. But the the issue, like I said, was or like like you had kind of pointed out. The issue was the fact that they did not tell us anything of this fucking match. It was like we're having a gauntlet match. And so then I'm like
2: told like, us it's boss time.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, so the entire time I'm like I was like I was like, that's really fucking stacking a deck in Ronda's favor. And then like after like the, yeah. the after Alicia Fox gets eliminated, then they were like, Who's gonna face Rhonda next week? I was like, Oh. Right. Okay, oh. well that makes sense now. Okay. And then it was like yeah, from there, it was like, okay, well, if it's just a... So, at that point, I'm like, I was like, okay, so it doesn't really matter. We, we know she's not losing it on a fucking pre-tape. And, right. you know, and yeah, so, that was the thing. And, and, yeah, Natalia won, which annoys me, but the real winners of this match were Sasha, Bailey, and um, Dana Brooke, honestly. Because they were the ones that got the shine, they were the ones who got to, to show off a little bit. Agreed. So, um, but yeah, so moving right along, I just want to finish off Raw, then we'll get to SmackDown, and then we'll sure. talk about the two other things.
2: Um, so sort of double main event tonight. What? Sort of a double main event tonight. Those last two.
1: Yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> all right. So our other our other thing that we had, or our one one of our new things from Raw was the fact that we brought back giving a guy who's lower on a card a chance to shine. It used to be John Cena's open challenge would be phenomenal matches with these guys that didn't get a lot of time and stuff like that. We knew Since it's Dean, we knew that probably wasn't going to happen, but they would at least get some TV time. Not the phenomenal match (laughs) part. Yeah, not the the phenomenal match part. But what we got was uh, Dean Ambrose came out with a bunch of guys in um, Riot Gear and Gas Masks. and of course, every one of us in the host is like, yeah, Seth Rollins is one of those guys, <laughs> and uh, he laid out an open challenge. Seth Rollins didn't didn't come out, but instead, Prince Pretty came out. Tyler Breeze.
2: Um, and, and I was so sitting there going, I hope Dean, I hope Seth pops that mask off and costs Dean the title and put the fucking belt on Tyler Breeze. As great as that would be, it's it would
1: make Seth look really fucking stupid. Why? Like,
2: Seth would fuck over Dean. That's what he cares about more at this point.
1: Uh, I guess. It's the but personal
2: that, rivalry, not really about the title.
1: It would have been a good way to get that title out of it, because... But again, as you said, we don't have a Universal Championship. If we had a Universal Championship, that would be on the table. I would have Tyler Breeze main event to pay-per-view. <laughs> right on. I mean, it's Tyler
2: Breeze. It's great. Um, the biggest you saw Tyler Breeze's match against Ricochet on NXT two weeks ago... Oh, boy. This guy is so underutilized on the main roster. Yeah.
1: Um... The uh, the the biggest takeaway for me didn't happen on the show for this match. It was uh, Xavier Woods watching the match, uh, which if you haven't seen that, go to go to Xavier the Woods. Shitty kid. shitty Wi-Fi. Yeah, his shitty Wi-Fi and Rusev being just a shithead the entire time. And I love the <laughs> fact that Rusev says, "When you get it working, he's gonna be he's already gonna lose." Breeze gets it. <laughs> uh, he gets it working, and yeah, it's already the end of the fucking match. And then because he's he's. Uh, Rusev is, is laughing his ass off. He then misses the replay of the match. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great little video. It's an awesome thing to show, you know, guys that are friends and everything in the back. And, it's sort
2: of like the similar thing to when they had that picture of all the 205 Live guys watching Mustafa Ali on yeah.
1: SmackDown. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just a cool thing to see. Um, plus,
2: but yeah. plus, you know, Woods and Breeze have double teamed some chicks somewhere oh, on the
1: way. Oh, for sure, for
2: sure. I mean we know Woods is into that shit, like the double teaming, so
1: Well isn't isn't Tyler Breeze with the uh, your favorite NXT 2012 superstar, Audrey Marie?
2: Is he? I don't even know. I'm pretty sure he is. I don't know who he's banging. Let me check that. Usually once someone gets cut from the company, they stop banging.
1: Let me check. Let me check the old Wikipedias here. Matthias Clements is married to Audie Marie. Okay.
2: I know they so were yes. married.
1: Yep.
2: And those beautiful tits. Ugh.
1: I, I hope she got them redone.
2: They Anyways. Great. What are you talking about?
1: Um, so we're going to talk about the one of the video packages that we got. But we got two video packages during Raw to announce the return of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Uh, they got separate <laughs> ones, which is good. But.
2: Was there ever a more pathetic attempt like... Well, we're trying to tell you that we're listening to you. He, you like these guys. We don't know yeah. when they're coming back, but but remember them? Yeah, we're going to put them out there. So, we're we're going to make them a focus because you guys like them. That's yeah. a thing.
1: So the funny thing was is that, okay, so Sami Zayn's little promo thing or something like that was just a little promo thing. Only Kevin Owens once actually said he's returning. Sammy's never said he's returning. Kevin's uh, actually said Kevin Owens returns soon. Sami Zayn did not fucking say that at all. So I don't even know if Sami Zayn is actually coming back anytime soon or if they're just like you remember this guy right well as, <laughs> as part of the whole
2: brand new raw initiative Sami Zayn and uh, Kevin Owens are gonna feud when they both get back yeah most likely um it's something <laughs> cutting edge and new we haven't seen before yeah.
1: so if these these were you know your typical kind of promos they were all put together and everything of like that coming um, soon
2: El generico that would have been fucking great
1: yeah um Again, another one of my favorite things, not on the show, was Sami Zayn's response to this on Twitter, where he said that uh, he kind of starts off saying that uh, you know I've I've worked worked hard to get to where I am and stuff like that, but watching this video, I forgot how great I am. So, (laughs) just another another just living that heel persona. Uh, I'm so excited to have these two guys back because right now we have an issue on Raw and it's a heel vacuum because Dean Ambrose should not be the top heel and he currently is because nobody else I
2: think Owens is coming back as a face but we'll see
1: if if you look at the videos clearly Sammy's still a heel because his his was very much but yeah
0: Kevin's
2: but they did they did put over that Kevin was taken out by Lashley and so it does sort of make sense that he would come back as a face plus it puts us in line for that Kevin Owens and Elton John match at
1: Wrestlemania yeah very much Uh, so so because you know Elton's working heel Fingers crossed. Yeah, uh, but yeah. yeah so um, either way, I'm I'm happy to get my favorite wrestler back. I'm happy to get Sami Zayn back. I'm very interested to see what what they can do. And like I said, the landscape t- has changed since their injuries. You know, so so we will. Sure, Kevin Owens will be in a Porta Potty Week Three. Uh, I fucking hope not, dude. Um, so then over on SmackDown, um, you know, we'll be a new and improved Porta Potty. That's true. Uh, so over on SmackDown, we did talk obviously about um, you know Paige getting relieved of her uh, her position, which again, if you watch that, make sure to pay close attention to Big E during that whole thing.
2: Big E, e and Xavier Woods, both of them.
1: Oh, I didn't. I didn't see. I'll have to watch it again. I didn't see Xavier Woods. I just watched Big E because he was like mm-hmm. raping fucking Carmella with his eyes.
2: <laughs> oh, Woods was like eating a steak and staring at Daniel Bryan the whole okay. time he was eating it. it was great.
1: Yeah, those. Those guys continue to live their characters, which is great. Um, But we got a a little bit of a segment because Mr. McMahon was on SmackDown. So, of course, that means we're definitely going to have gay jokes. And we had them, for sure, because The Miz came to ask his blessing to be partners with Shane McMahon. Gay jokes. 2018, almost 2019 –
2: I, you know what? Honestly, I didn't take that as a gay joke.
1: You didn't take it as a gay not joke. When, really. when he stopped, he goes, "I don't, I don't really do that kind of thing." It was clearly meant to be. I don't that give Miz was Yeah. No, it's clear. It that whole segment was clearly meant to be the Miz. That Mister McMahon thought the Miz was proposing to Shane McMahon.
2: Right, but I don't think it was necessarily to be a gay joke, as it was. It's just sort of a miscommunication and Miz not representing what he meant very clearly. I, I, I didn't take it as, like, an anti-gay thing. I really didn't.
1: I didn't say it was anti-gay. I said well, it was, I, it was
2: I, a, it joke, was a at, joke. A joke at somebody's, uh, the expense of somebody's sexuality is typically an anti-gay joke. Let's
1: be real. Anyway. So, but it, it kind of made me question again, you know, what happened to The Miz? You know, he has... We had... Now, his his feud with Dan O'Brien did not go as we thought it was going to, and part of that was because they decided to inject the women into it that cooled off their feud, and it just did not end the way we wanted it to. But since then, he has just free fall down the fucking card, and now is in this thing here, where he wants to be Shane McMahon's tag-team partner. And then he, you know... Now, it did lead to him teaming up with Mandy Rose, which, that's yes. always a good thing. <laughs>
2: Um, now, and my only problem with that was that I think the only reason Mandy Rose was picked for that spot was
1: for the Maurice joke. I think so, too. Which, again, I felt I I, I felt ashamed that I laughed at it because I hate <laughs> our truth But it was a decent line. It was. No, it was good. And it meant more TV time for Mandy Rose, which... It not only meant more TV time for Mandy Rose, but they didn't have to lose. Because they won. Yeah. Despite what Corey Graves said. Yeah. Because Corey Graves said that Mandy Rose and R-Truth just beat The Miz. Yeah. So I was like, nobody's going to correct him on that, that he said that R-Truth won? (laughs) All right, we're just going to keep moving on. Uh, But, yeah, so uh, obviously, you know, it it is what it is on this point. We're not sure exactly what's going on with The Miz, but, again, we kind of talked about that if this was Raw, Miz and Shane McMahon would already be tag team champions. Let's put it that way.
2: True, true, fair enough. Yeah, no, it's, it's, the segment was just goofy. The whole, Again, and I hope this is one of those things we're getting rid of and, and we're sort of closing this off because Shane McMahon, if you want to be taken seriously as an authority figure at this point, you really need to get him out of this storyline as quickly and cleanly as yeah, can you can anyway.
1: If, if he's supposed to be the, the face authority aligned with his family, he cannot be wrestling, for one. And he definitely can't be wrestling in a tag team with The Miz, who is still a heel as last I checked. Um, yeah. Now, we went from that kind of silliness that wasn't 100% funny to Shinsuke and Rusev. So Shinsuke actually is getting a, a legitimate feud. And again, with Shinsuke, his delivery of things is what makes it entertaining. Because for most other people, this wouldn't work. But his facial expressions and his delivery of this... this little backstage pre-record. Got me laughing so much. So, of course, they go to Shinsuke and he says, oh, i was supposed to be scared of Rusev. Well, I, why would I be scared of this? And he played a bunch of shots of Rusev from Total Divas, which obviously showed Rusev as a big fucking moron and stuff like that, that he is on the show. And then, of course, Shinsuke said that Rusev is a Total Diva.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and then, surprisingly... Maybe, maybe I'm wrong in this. You'll have to tell me or not. But did it not seem that Rusev was really off his game in his promo?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm okay with the, the Rusev thing as we're de- sort of developing him. My biggest thing is why have Lana with Rusev at this point if she's just going to stand there and be sort of window dressed? And we know she can cut good promos. That's one of the things she does do well uh, as opposed to wrestling. So why put her back with Rusev if you're not going to utilize the one thing she does do well?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I don't think she actually spoke in this episode, uh, which, which, yeah, d- definitely didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, and y- you know, this leads to Rusev and Shinsuke facing off on the Christmas edition of SmackDown, which again, cover your your little baby ears if you don't want to hear it. But Rusev is yet again U.S. champion, um, which I'm anxious to see. And if if we continue this feud between these two i'm curious to see it obviously shinsuke was not working as u.s champion which sucks because he started off it seemed like he was great they were going to do something with him and then he couldn't even get booked on the fucking tlc show so um you know maybe taking the title off him and and doing something different with him or or seeing where we can go from there from here will be interesting but yeah he's another guy that as soon as he turned heel he was he was on fire when we were in love with him, and then he just quickly cooled off. Yeah,
2: it was. It's the United States of Nakamura was something they didn't really capitalize on that they could have. But um, you know, you sort of start to wonder if maybe is it the writing, is it the booking, or is is just maybe they got Nakamura a little bit too late, and he's sort of at the end of the gas tank. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know, because even even the in-ring performances from Nakamura have been just okay.
2: Exactly, and,
1: yeah. yeah so, um, but speaking of um, matches with, with old dudes that wound up being actually far better than we thought, Gizzle Stizzle teamed up with Mustafa Ali, who is now a permanent member of SmackDown, to take on Daniel Bryan and Andrade Cien Almas. So two dudes that haven't really gotten any sort of work lately almost of course being one mustafa ali being over from 205 live wound up being in a tag team match and holy shit did mustafa ali and Andrade almas definitely grab the fucking brass ring on this one because this match was phenomenal
2: yeah this is really good and i think this is comes on the heels of last week of of ali getting put in that spot and i sort of love the the fact that ali is been promoted from two Oh five live. I think that's a nice little carrot for the cruiserweights too, to sort of work your ass off and you might get this opportunity or um, carry on a pinata and you can get, get uh, put on raw. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you know, that's another thing you could do. Um, Almost, we've talked about forever. He's been criminally underutilized since he got called up. But again, you're sort of cyclical with these stories, and you have focal points, and you have things that happen when guys come up. So sometimes you have to wait till that next cycle till your opportunity comes up. Hopefully, this is the beginning of Almas' cycle through the storylines, and we start to see him utilized more frequently.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, the kind of the the bad spot in this match was the the zero five forty. That Mustafa Ali did. Now, so obviously, if you don't know the 0540, which would be four fifty backwards, uh, is a reverse four fifty splash where he flips forward instead of backwards. And Mufasa has done this move thousands of times and has never injured anybody, and anything like that. Still, has never injured anybody, but this one was kind of hardy. So he he misjudged it just a little bit. And again, this is it's a move that you essentially just Flip and pray, but landed both of his knees right into Daniel Bryan's chest. Now, Daniel Bryan said he was fine. Um, Mustafa Ali audibly says sorry uh, on, on the actual show, which, of course, is something that you always kind of want to see from your wrestlers, where as soon as they know they fuck up, that they're actually going to do something. Maybe not always audibly. Usually you just see the kind of the arm pinch and things like that, or some kind of nonverbal cue of like, I'm sorry, I fucked up, you know, kind of thing. Right, so they, yeah. they, they they take it into their own hands, but. Apparently he was still apologizing backstage, and, Dan and Brian were just like, dude, it's cool, man, it's cool, you know. And Brian, of course, got checked out, got a clean bill of health and everything like that. So, uh, you know, Wanda being, uh, you know, escaped injury on this one, which is great. Uh, and of course, we hope that there's no heat on this either, because, you know, people, fucking Neville broke his leg his leg by doing a baseball slide. All right, like shit happens, accidents happen. This is not intentional. This wasn't a fucking Nia Jax. I'm gonna fucking punch your face off, this was a you know, he was just slightly off, you know so
2: and we on the rundown are slightly off regularly so we can relate.
1: Exactly, yeah um, but yeah, other, other than that this was a great match, uh, Ali wound up getting the pin on Daniel Bryan so which I wasn't expecting. I was expecting, if anything, that it was going to be, uh, you know, AJ Styles getting the pin on him. But yeah, instead they gave it to Mustafa Ali. So.
2: Which you think would probably lead to a title match somewhere down the
1: road, right? Yeah, you pin the champion, you get a title championship match. All right, so we're going to talk a little ROH before we uh, head into NXT. Um, so, uh, you know, we talked at the, at the beginning of the show about the Elite leaving ROH, and we have a question of what is next for ROH after they have left. Um, you know, I said it at the top of the show that I felt that Paige was going to be the one that they missed the most. Um, obviously, Kenny Omega wasn't really an ROH guy. You know, he worked some of their shows and stuff like that, but he definitely wasn't an ROH guy. Right. Um, Cody, obviously, leaving leaves a, a, a big hole in the main event scene. And, um, obviously, losing two of your best tag teams really puts a damper on the tag team division. Um, so the The biggest thing there is obviously the tag team division takes the biggest hit on it. Um, The main event.
2: Luckily, they have the bouncers ready to slide right in there. Right,
1: you've got the bouncers. Um, After them, you don't have much.
0: Well,
2: there's guys there, there's teams there that are sort of have haven't been utilized as much. You got like the dogs with Titus, and you got um, guy with the, the. was a coast-to-coast connection um so there there are teams there that just need some some build to them they're clearly not on the young bucks level yet but there's there's some young talent there that they could work yeah. with
1: but that 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 to me is is the one that takes the biggest hit sure. because the main event scene you've got taven ready and we're raring to go you've got dalton castle who's still you know floating around there that at any point in time can be pushed into it you know, and you've got some of these younger guys that Jeff, you can. Jeff Cobb you know,
2: is able to move up whenever you want him yeah, to. Yeah,
1: exactly. Jeff Cobb is one of the guys. Gresham, if you have him stop losing to Zack Saber Jr., is definitely a guy <laughs> that that could be elevated up to. So I think the main event scene is going to be fine. I think that you, it's it's time to pull, um, uh, you know, uh, to to go ahead and you know pull the trigger on Matt Taven going, you know, to unify the belts essentially. Right. <laughs> um. I think that should definitely be your next feud. After that, depending on if who you want to be the champion, you've got, you can go either way on it, you know, because you still got you uh, um, You got
2: Skrull for another year, so putting yeah. the title on him wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility either.
1: Right, and you still got to, uh, you know. It, you still got Dolphin Castle that you can throw in there if you want to have you know someone feud, feud against the face. So
2: and watching Final Battle, you can sit there and you can definitely make a case that you could you could elevate Flip Gordon at this point. He seemed yeah. over as cra- over as all hell, and he's signed I think for multiple years still. So
1: right, yeah, and obviously you know it's it's not going to take long to get a guy like P C O up to stuff as well. You know, right.
2: And um, for and- me, the, the the thing for me, the biggest thing coming out of this is you got to wonder like the people who coordinated doing uh, to do the ring of honor show with madison square garden you got to wonder if they they were aware at the time they agreed Hell yeah we'll, we'll book your show for madison square garden uh if they were aware that the biggest draws in the company would be gone by the time that show rolls
1: around yeah we, um, we did just get confirmation that the bucks will not be at that show so
2: yeah, cody had previously said he wouldn't be there yep, um, we knew omega
1: wasn't going to be as well
2: so. right so you know that's running the same night, as, isn't that running the same night as um, Takeover, or is that different nights? I forget. They moved the schedule around. I forget which one's which. Um, I don't remember. So I thought they moved Takeover back to Friday night, which would be conflicting with the Madison Square Garden show, I believe.
1: Yes, they did. Yeah, because because okay. uh, uh, normally the Hall of Fame is on Saturday.
2: Right. So they moved to, they moved Takeover back to Friday night. Yep. So that's going to go head to head now. If you were somebody who was planning on going to this Ring of Honor show, would you maybe see if you can find a spot on this NXT Takeover show instead, knowing that. Yeah, and, man. and, and we don't know what the Madison Square Garden card is yet, so full disclosure, it could be fantastic for all we know. Um, but I, I think also if you're Ring of Honor in this high profile event, you also don't want to lean too heavy on the New Japan tie-in and rely on them too much. You really want to use this as an opportunity to push your talent. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious to see sort of what the reaction is and what this
1: crowd, what the, what this card looks like when we get there. Very much so, yeah. Um, so yeah, so, uh, but other than that, like I said, I mean, ROH has gone through these things before, you know. Everyone thought ROH was done when CM Punk left. Fuck CM Punk. Everyone thought that, which was done when Samoa Joe left when Kevin Owens or Kevin Steen left you yeah, know
2: O'Brien, El Generico, Brian yeah. Yeah.
1: it's it's happened it, de- it um.
2: But, but I guess the thing is like it's happened but I don't think it's happened on this scale with this much of the centerpiece talent yeah. in your company at one time
1: right this
2: and, is this is more akin to like the, the most recent comparison you can think of is sort of like New Japan when they lost AJ Nakamura and the club all at once
1: yeah, yeah exactly um, but again, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, the independents, if you think of it in a sports way, are are kind of like college football teams. You know, every year, you know, you're going to lose some guys because they're going up to the NFL and stuff like that. And you just continue to do what you do. You continue to to find young guys, continue to recruit, and and you find just
2: find young guys willing to work for no money and uh, yeah, you
1: know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then you uh, then you you push them up to the main event, and that's yeah. kind of what they did. I mean, this is a a company that. Most of the people we see in WWE started here, and they started from the bottom. They started at the beginning of the car and stuff like that, and eventually worked their way up to being main eventers, and then left. You know, and it's the same thing that's going to happen right now. Flip Gordon is a prime example of that—a guy that was brought in with very low expectations, you know, and has now and is skyrocketing himself up just by his work rate alone. You yeah, know? It was like
2: a year and a half ago, he did a dark match at a Ring of Honor event in Lowell. Yeah. And now look where he is
1: yeah and and I don't think anyone would have thought that that he would have done it that fast. Now that's not common, but it I, is sometimes. you know
2: having seen him from the, from the start, it was very clear this guy yeah. was not gonna be indie guy very long, like he was
1: very driven, very focused he's, he, and he's one of those generational talents, yeah where you're, just, you're well, just like, okay, yeah.
2: like I think We've talked about it on the show before, too. We happen to live, in, and as somebody who works on the indies, and I see this a lot, we live in an era where the Internet has really changed the game for a lot of these guys because years ago, you had to work and toil 20 years or 15 years on the indies before somebody would notice you. Now you do some crazy, flippy fucking move at a show at an armory somewhere, it's all over the fucking Internet, and everyone and every promoter sees it, and they'll let me go get that guy. Um, Marco Stunt is a great example of that. That guy was just doing random shit on on indie shows, and Cody fucking caught a whiff of it and put him on all in. And now the guy you know p- prior to his injury, the guy's making all sorts of money.
1: Yeah. Well, you also have the fact that you know when when you were before the internet, you know you were relying on just the live crowd, and you were relying on just the you know three to to, to fifteen minutes of time that you got to get the crowd to understand who you are where now people can look at your greatest hits and YouTube compilations and they can follow you on Twitter and learn all about you and get your character and, and understand what you are and, and grow to love you, you know, from so much more exposure on them just taking a 30 minute ride on the fucking internet. Whereas before, yeah, you know, it would be like, you know, you, you wouldn't even know storylines from town to town, you know? And now like you, so every show, You'd have to reintroduce what's going on in the thing. And now, like, you rely more heavily on the Internet and people know what storylines going on. So you don't have to be like, last week we fought each other and I won, and next week you're going to, you know.
2: And we're living in a world of super indies when you talk about companies like Ring of Honor, like MLW, which, if you haven't been following, has been making a lot of big waves. Um, Lucha Underground obviously started a trend a while back. Um so there's just a ton of them, and now you're going to add All Elite into the mix, too. So th- there's just a ton of places with high exposure for people to work, and that's a great thing for the business overall.
1: Oh, yeah. So, uh, moving right along. Um, so we got <laughs> a very interesting end to NXT this week. Uh, if you haven't watched it, uh, you know, skip like two minutes ahead. Um, we had a cage match between A-Lister Black and uh, Johnny Gargano. And right at the end of the match. Jo-
2: Johnny Badass, sorry.
1: Johnny Badass, sorry. Yep. Uh, Tomas Champa came out and proceeded to stop, um, interfere in a match, and, and he slammed <laughs> Alistair Black in the head.
2: Yeah, they were and- doing a spot where Alistair was trying to escape the cage while Gargano yep. tried to climb over it. Uh, Ciampa came down, slammed the cage on Black. Gargano instead of just dropping down to win the match came back into the cage uh, and as they stood on opposite sides of the ring they did their old DIY finisher on Alistair Black and that allowed Johnny to get the win
1: yeah um, yeah so they yep they, like you said they they hit the finisher together and then they kind of uh, you know Gargano got the win and there was a little bit of a shared look at each other and they shared so, a moment shared a moment yeah <laughs>
2: Um, but no, and, and it makes perfect sense with the both sides being heel now that they would, you know, sort of have the option to reunite the DIY and have Johnny sort of watch out for Tommaso and and maybe pay it off with Johnny eventually turning on Tommaso because I think I think the end game to this feud has to be Johnny getting the win in the title, right? I mean, you wouldn't that, think so. So so in order for that to happen eventually, he has to turn on him. But aligning them right now
1: makes some sense. Yeah. All right, we have some voicemails.
2: F- fantastic cage match, by the way, for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. Go definitely yeah. check it out.
1: Very much so. All right, it's perfect time for us to do some voicemails uh, before we head into the main event. Our first one is from Sal.
0: What's up, Rundown hosts and Rundown listeners? It is I, Sal, calling the voicemail, returning! Once again, to the voicemail that made me famous, I quickly wanted to talk to you guys about the announcement of the most recent NXT call-ups, or soon-to-be NXT call-ups, I guess. Just give my thoughts and opinions on those few people, along with Mustafa Ali, seems to be on SmackDown Live permanently now. Now, first of all, Lars Sullivan, he's the one that was getting vignettes, and I think he'll do a decent job for a little while. Uh, don't, I know they're going to push him. I know he's going to be mean. I know he can kind of talk. But there's got to be some more layers to the character. So initially, I think he feuds maybe with the Rusev. Maybe Rusev wins the US title and Lars Sullivan attacks him. But uh, he's definitely got a lot of cane about him. We'll have to see what they do with Lars. He might be okay. Uh, so I'll tell you a guy who's going to be more than okay, and that's EC3. He's everything that Vince wants in the Superstar. He's everything that Hunter wants in the Superstar. He can go in the ring. He can talk. Uh, I'm hoping he comes in as a heel and they don't do to him what they did to Bobby Roode. And EC3 will be fine. EC3 will be at WrestleMania, in my opinion. On the main card. And then... Uh, Nikki Cross, I'm really excited. Obviously, Nikki Cross had a great match against Becky Lynch about a month or so ago. Uh, she's main roster ready. You know, make her pot of sanity. She's ready to go. Uh, Lacey Evans, the character's interesting. I don't know if it holds water in this day and age, but we'll see. As far as heavy machinery goes, I'm sorry, guys. They don't book tech as well. So I don't see them doing much of anything. Did you get anybody? No, I think that's it. I said, I, I'm looking forward to a South Valley, and I'll talk to you guys later.
1: Thank you, Sal. And now we're going to take on a little adventure as Jeff tries to navigate bad internet.
3: <laughs> hey, guys. It's Jeff. Don't think I'll be able to make it on today. Well, I won't, because you're hearing this voicemail. Um, I'm in the middle of nowhere and South- And I don't have any internet service in my the lights had to have access to people who have no internet. So I'll just do a quick recap. TLC was passable at best. There were some really shitty matches, and there were some good matches. Like the main event between uh, Charlotte Slayer, Asuka, and Becky Lynch was fantastic. And I'm glad I called Becky Lynch as the winner. Excellent. I said as the winner. But um, it was a fantastic match. We're on this conference with uh, Oscar so winning was not going to be a tra- champion. Uh, I'm really disappointed a uh, podcast with Hurry. That the tool, uh, 205 were relegated to the pre-show. What was that, buddy? What are you going to do? You know, you got another huh? showing huh? Um, huh? But.
1: What was that? <laughs> and one, two, three, ding, ding, ding. There's the end of that first voicemail. Well, that didn't go the way he wanted it to. <laughs> so let's see attempt number two. Hey guys, it's
3: Jeff. Trying a second attempt at this because I have no goddamn service. Oh, let's give it a go. see was passable. The main event between Trevish Shred- Erbisch-
0: and
3: best position, Oscar- okay. and the rifle main event. Oscar winning, I'm glad I uh, predicted successfully. Thanks Jason for presenting me. Um, it was an amazing, dangerous, violent match, and I loved it. I was a little disappointed. The, a lot of guys were relegated to the pre-show, but I guess that's par for the course, right? What are you going to do? Uh, raw this week, Vince McMahon came out. Well, a good old 70-whatever-year-old Vince came out. You know, still on there, right? But, uh, you know... A what? The McMahon's are going to be running and... Oh, boy. <laughs> the revival, haven't I mean. you?
1: What the revival do? Hello? Jeff, Jeff, are you there? Jeff? Jeff? And there's number two. (laughs) So, when you woke up this morning, did you think that you were going to talk to someone from the past? Alright, so Jeff decided he was going to instead try something that... uh, Us uh, us older folks call a landline. That's a phone that's plugged into your wall, folks. So here we go.
3: Hey, guys. This is my third and final attempt at leaving a voicemail for this week's show. I am currently stranded in South Carolina and have no service. I am using a landline at this point, and I think this will work out a little better. So TLC was passable, but I will just talk about the main event which was fantastic between Oscar Charlotte Flair, and Becky Lynch and I am glad that I successfully predicted Oscar as the winner thank you Jason for your insight to prove me wrong initially and I swung the Oscar way it was just a logical choice and the way that it was good Ronda coming in surprising but it makes sense going forward for the storyline they're obviously going to push between Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair, Ronda, and maybe the Four Horsewomen. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But, you know, um, Raw, you get Vince McMahon coming out, who didn't really want to come out but had to because of the ratings. And he went ahead to do exactly nothing. (laughs) There was some minor changes. Um, You know, you get the revival, being number one contenders again. But I think we're just going to easily relegate back to fuck the revival, and they're not going to win any tag titles at all. <sighs> SmackDown wasn't much better. We had some good matches. Uh, we had Tyler Breeze in a high-profile match. We had uh, Mustafa Ali pinning Daniel Bryan, which is great. So maybe there's minor changes, but when the main, the, the major changes start to happen, that's when I'll say that there are changes happening title changes, um, guys who the fans actually want to see in the main event picture actually get to the main event picture. That's when I'll be happy because I'm happy with Mustafa Ali actually being on the main event card in SmackDown and getting a pin. That's huge for him. That's the biggest win obviously he's ever had. Um, unfortunately, you know, it was the greatest 5 4 but Hey, nobody got hurt. So hopefully it's not frowned upon. Um, You know, I I, I can't wait to come back. Hopefully I can be with you guys next week. Um, And uh, good luck this week on the show. Can't wait to talk to you guys again soon. Happy holidays if I don't see you before Christmas or talk to you. Bye, guys.
1: All right. Well, thank you guys for utilizing the uh, rundown voicemail. So let's move right in to the main event. So we had a, a, a promo package for Guess Who's Coming to WWE. And we feature five different acts, six people in total. And um, we do not know what show they will land on, uh, but we do know the people that are coming up. So we, our first person that we got to take a look at was Lars Sullivan. Uh, and his promo video uh, is essentially you know him letting people know that he's a freak. And he's
2: uh, been he's been promo videoing for a couple weeks now.
1: Yeah, yeah. We we already kind of knew he was coming up, so it was, it was a little strange to have him kind of included with these guys. But yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, the second video we saw was Lacey Evans. Uh, she's, of course, um, mm-hmm. kind of a plays off the of like Rosie the Riveter kind of like. we can do
2: carter basically
1: essentially yeah and uh her finishing move is uh the weapons of master oh sorry that's big show uh it's (laughs) it's a punch that she calls the women's right um and of course uh the what's nxt guys think that she's racist but really she just doesn't like people that aren't you know is that still a thing i don't know i don't listen to the show anymore okay uh the (laughs) the next video we get are for the fat mechanics um, which is uh, Otis the Dozer Dosevich, and I don't remember the other fucking guy's name. Tucker Tucker Knight. Tucker the Dark Knight, yeah. Um, and they are all about stakes and weights, um, and they're they're two big fat guys, but they... You know. <laughs> they are all about to get the sanity treatment on SmackDown. <laughs> well, we don't know what show they're going to go to, but probably SmackDown. Let's
2: be honest. It's interesting, they were sort of in the middle of a program with, with Undisputed Era for the tag titles on on NXT yeah.
1: TV. That's yeah, which kind of maybe shows that they're not losing those titles. No. Um the next video we got was for um one of my favorite people, Nikki Cross. Uh which of course just kind of shows that Nikki's crazy. Um they do a uh, good I've, job. I've,
2: this just in, uh, she's just cross now. She's just cross,
1: yep. They they already have a Nikki. They have no interest in the, Yeah. Which the, I always thought movie. was was, was kinda of interesting that uh um obviously you know for, for the men there are guys that have the same first name there's like 13 Chrises at any point in time given time in the company um, so it's always kind of funny to me that they have tried so hard to make sure that there's not two women with the same name mm. um, so much so that they spelled Tori and Tori differently Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this one they're both spelled the exact same way um, the, I, I don't think they're going to change your name but you never know I didn't think they were going to call Luke Harper just Harper at any point in time Uh, which would suck because we would lose. Play with Nicky. Uh, Nicky Cross has one of the better voices for promos. Instead, it'll be, be don't cross, cross. Yeah. Um, And then the final person we got was EC3, who if you watch his promo video, you think that he's a gigolo.
2: Or or a gay porn star.
1: Or a gay porn star, yeah, because he undresses, um, and of course he's wearing his wrestling gear underneath his clothes for some odd reason, Uh, and then he smiles and shows off his fucked up teeth.
2: An uncomfortably long close-up of his ass, too.
1: Yes, yeah. So he's he's probably going to go to SmackDown where he can be, the, be SmackDown's Bobby Lashley. <laughs> uh, I did enjoy the fact that...
2: Uh, um, I heard somebody, I either heard or read somebody said they should bring him over to SmackDown, team him up with Lashley, and they can call him the fanny pack.
1: There you go. Um, I did see that Dixie Carter congratulated EC3 on getting called up. Um, so that was us. Because in case you forgot, EC3 stands for Ethan Carter the Third. Because his original character was that he was Dixie Carter's nephew. Was that what yes. it? nephew? Yep. Nephew, yep. Uh, but he's just EC3. He, he doesn't have a name. He's just that. Those those letters. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So let's talk about um, you know what what we see from these people and maybe we maybe where we would like to see them go as well. Um, so starting with Lars Sullivan. Um, obviously, I think you should go to SmackDown, considering that Raw has Braun Strowman and Baron right. Corbin. Agreed, 100. Um, percent um, All SmackDown really has is Killian Dane as their their cool. big dude. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the guy that uh, Nikki Cross fucks, um, which isn't me. Alistair Black? Nope, no nope, different person. Uh, so yeah, so Lars Sullivan, uh, you know, as as Sal put it, he kind of gets Snitsky vibes off of him. Yeah, uh, I think that's an apt comparison. Yeah. Uh, Sullivan's in-ring work is—he's decent.
2: Yeah,
1: I'll put it that way. But he's—he's he's not really built to be a technical wizard.
2: But, but, you, know? but you say the exact same thing about Strowman, and he got over. Hosses still get over. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, I'm not—I'm not saying he doesn't have the opportunity to get over. Uh, I'm saying I don't know if I see him as His- getting over.
2: His intro is is also tremendous, like on NXT with the just the shadow of the silhouette of his <laughs> giant. Like I think he's he's produced really well, and if yeah. he's put in the right spot, I think he could have a Strowman-esque path on SmackDown. Yeah,
1: I think um, Strowman and Corbin are the ceiling and the floor for him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, would that be Strowman? Yeah. I, I think those two guys are the one are somewhere on that spectrum between the two is where you're going to see this guy fall.
2: Uh, I so. think they're both on the spectrum, personally. Probably,
1: probably. Lars Sullivan is definitely on the spectrum. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, uh, of these people, um, it's
0: what kind of hard Lacey? to see.
1: What do we see? See, the interesting thing with Lacey is I, I, she that
2: character never really clicked for me. I like her as a performer. She's a very yeah. beautiful woman um she's got a lot of the attributes that uh, vince would like in a female performer she's big she's strong she's attractive um i just don't know that that gimmick's going to translate that that gimmick barely worked in the small sort of insulated full-sale universe um i i don't know that it works in in the
1: main roster at all it's just very sort of yeah i don't know it doesn't i, like I for me. yeah i also wonder how far they can really go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, obviously, that character is very much, like, um, she considers herself to be better than everybody else. Um, and, you know, talks about, like, the kind of unwashed masses and shit like that. So, right. uh, it can be a very condescending character, and, and those don't always work that well.
0: Right.
1: Um, obviously, like you said, I mean, Lacey is in incredibly good shape, but so is Dana Brooke. Right. And they don't use her, so... <laughs>
2: But Dana Brooke doesn't really have a character. Lacey right. has one, whether you like it or not is the question. We'll, I guess we'll, that will remain to be seen. Right. Uh, like you said, with Heavy Machinery, I see them sort of mid-card tag team on SmackDown or, or Raw somewhere. I don't see them. Maybe, you know, slightly better than Rhino and Slater kind of deal. Maybe they'll have a brief run where they're sort of the top, a, a top tag team or in a top program. But I, I just don't see that. Clicking. I think Nikki Cross has every chance to be uh, a top female performer. Uh, I don't know that she gets to like. The problem is right now, the female competitor level, when you talk about like Rhonda and Becky and Charlotte, the bar is so fucking high that it's really tough for anybody to break into that level at this point. You have to. That's the thing that's going to hold back someone like Mandy Rose or even Naomi. Like, they're good, but they're not anywhere close to the level of the top, top performers in that division. And I wonder if Nikki maybe fall, falls a little bit of a victim to that. Uh, months ago and, and Sal sort of stole a lot of what I talked about in the past because when we had a main event topic not too, too long ago. Uh, asking who we thought was the most main roster ready guy and, guy or girl in NXT. And my answer at the time, and still is, is EC3. This guy was built to be a main roster talent. He's got all the things Vince likes. He's good on the mic. He obviously looks like he's fucking cut out of stone. Um so, yeah, I think EC3 is probably, of this group, the most likely highest ceiling performer in this group.
1: Yeah, very much so. Um, my problem with Fat Mechanics is the fact that we've already got, like, three different tag teams that are the exact same guys, um, you know. So you've got that going going against them, you know, where, well, for if they're, like, a comedy duo, which they can kind of be sometimes, we've already got the B team, And, you know, we've already got...
2: Yeah, but the B team can't do comedy and be physically imposing. That's what these guys do
1: have. Um, But for big physically imposing guys, we had the Ascension, and they suck. So (laughs) there's that as well. But they've Um, done
2: comedy better.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, So, yeah, you're you're, kind of stuck where not only do they have it going against the fact that Vince hates tag teams, and so... But you've also got the but, fact but that... The,
2: but things have changed now. So even though Vince hates tag teams, they're listening to the fans, and the fans like tag
1: teams. So. Okay. Well, see, and, and then you've got the other issue. Well, if you put them on SmackDown, what makes them break through And when you've got the New Day, the Usos, um, the Bar, and I would assume the Bludgeon Brothers once Eric Rowan gets back? You know, that's a lot of fucking tag teams. Whereas over on Raw, you've got a lot of guys that aren't really being utilized because they don't really care about it. You've got two random guys thrown together who are tag champions. They'd have a better chance on Raw, but they still don't have much of a chance, I think.
2: Well, it's interesting when you talk about like Harper and Rowan because we talk all the time about how they, they're worried to strap the Rocket to the Revival because they've had an injury history. I mean, Rowan's been hurt every five months on the roster. He seems right. to get another injury. So I wonder when they come back if they sort of revitalize that push or if they're sort of in the background at this point
1: yeah well and you also have to kind of question because we haven't seen harper since rowan went down and harper was a singles guy too for a little bit so the fact that they're not using him would make you think that they're going to put those guys back together but then you do have the question of like well is there is there a right fit for them to be champions again and um, you also the
2: specter of Bray Wyatt still circulating yeah, with exactly. no idea what he's doing. So and we
1: have no fucking clue what he's doing because recently he's been talking about he's sorry and he has to leave. So
2: yeah,
1: uh, so yeah. And like I said with, with Nikki, I I love her. Um, I'm really interested to see what she does, but I'm with you on that as well because if you put her over on Raw, we've got Ronda, and it would appear as if Nikki is probably going to be a face when she comes by.
2: And we're I'd probably it, getting Becky on Raw at some point in the not too distant yeah. future.
1: So, so maybe if you put her on SmackDown, and Becky probably goes over to Raw, um, you know, then you've only got Charlotte to compete against, and then you've got a better chance of it. But when you got Becky and Charlotte in the same show, it makes it really fucking difficult. And Asuka too, obviously, who's right. the champion right now. That's a lot of people to try to work your way through, right. and that's, and they they have a deeper women's division than Raw does. So. Right. Yep. Um, but then of course EC3, yeah, I, I very much see him. He's a guy who you could see eventually become a world champion. Um, I think for sure he's he's a uh, yeah, guy. Yeah, I don't know that, about world champion. I think he's a mid card champion for sure. That's why I said you could see him eventually, yeah. but I don't. But yeah, definitely he's he's one of those guys that I think IC I belt or US championship belt he could definitely do something with. I mean, you could throw the US championship belt on him right now. He could could have a uh, very
2: nice Miz-like run.
1: Yeah. Yeah, very much so. So, yeah. So, we're interested to see it. Obviously, we're going to be following along. Um, Neither one of them, or none of these people, uh, showed up on the tapings. So, we know we're not going to see them until next year. And, again, we don't know what show they're going to be on either. So, we'll have to see. Um, But that's going to do it for The Perfect Ten. So, uh, you get to be Jeff today. And tell us what's going on in Liberty States.
0: Well,
2: Liberty States uh, presents holiday havoc on Saturday, December twenty-second from the John E. McCarthy Elementary School in Peabody, Massachusetts. Already signed for this big event. The tag titles will be on the line as the Main State Posse defends against Insanely Rude in a match that was scheduled for the last event until Main State Posse refused to show. I.e. took another booking. Vern Vicalo will defend the Liberty States Wrestling Heavyweight Championship against the debuting Perry von Vicious. At the return and the return of the Opportunity Knox ladder match, where Nico Silva, Antoine Nicholas, Tomahawk, Sweatboy, Christopher James will all fight to receive a contract, good for a title shot against any Liberty States champion at any time. Plus, Robo the Punjabi the Punjabi Lion uh, and his No Limits Championship. Uh, also, we're going to have Johnny Vegas, and Vanity Vixen, and Todd Sopel, who are all scheduled to appear. Doors open at 6.30. Bell is at 7. Tickets are $10 at the door. For general admission, for updates, visit Facebook.com slash Liberty States Wrestling.
1: All right. The stars of beasts of Bruce City Wrestling return to the Ox Lodge in Waukesha, Wisconsin, on Friday, January 11th, for Rise to Honor 15. 15 years of pandemonium. Bell time is 7.30, doors up at 6.25. Wait, Tickets, rise
2: to honor, someone's going to get sued.
1: <laughs> Tickets $16 advance only on BruceCityWrestling1.com or $18 at the door. The main event will be an Extreme Rules War Games, Barbed Wire, Fans Bring the Weapons Match as the Maidens uh, of Iron and the axman take on the Unholy Alliance. No, no light tubes of fuckery or anything? No, that's the other show. Uh, Bruce City Wrestling Women's Championship on the line as Evil Sierra takes on Blue Phoenix Vanessa Azor in a 30 minute Iron Woman match. Ugh. American Air BCW debut Smiley Kylie Ray takes on Sriracha Muchacha Paloma Star. And a Backpacks and a Pole match between Loser and Angel Armani. Go to BruceCityWrestling1.com for more information. And that does it. For well, the Rundown for this Thursday, December 20th, 2018. It has been 32 seconds since Jeff's internet died on him and he's not even on the show. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Podcast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Wrestling. Email the show your dick pics via rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail like Sal and Jeff attempted to do at 617-863-6967. That's 61Rundown7. We're also on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash Wrestling to become a Patreon uh next year which obviously is coming up very quickly we've got a lot of things planned for the patreon at least i know i do listen to our friends the kingpin brian malonis and mike crockett on the wrestling podcast about nothing with new podcasts every monday go to facebook.com slash zwpn or thewpan.com check out our friend jessel michaels on the show Jessel and waltz on tuff tv go to TupTv.com to stream it live stay tuned to the rundown wrestling podcast to hear all of our other shows the Nitro Mania podcast. Hurry up and cruise away to making the grade and WrestleMania salvation. Holy shit, we got a lot of hosts. <laughs> Follow our hosts on Twitter at jstewart0920, at Troy, at Joker's wild 702 at WrestleManiaSal, at the Salzer Effect, at Oops I Have Company, at Last Minute Guests, at <laughs> Who's Knocking at My Door, at Realist Tommy, whatever his fucking thing is, at Making the Grade, at Nitro Mania Pod, at Hurry up Cruisers, and at Johnny Analog. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to you, Jason. Thanks, Troy. And next week, we talk about 2018, a year in review. Join me, Jason, maybe Jeff if he can get back to the future, uh, possibly Sal, and maybe Adam if people don't randomly show up at his house. That's right, we are doing our year-end show next week because we already spoiled everything that happens on next week's show, so...
2: Yeah,
1: everything's significant. Yeah, so stay tuned for that, and we will... See you next Thursday.
0: Bye bye
1: The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was birthed onto a dirty tile floor of a downtown Vinny's Pizza by Adam Souser before being scooped up and deposited into the laps of Jason Stewart and Troy Boseman. That deformed and abandoned baby then became the basis of the show you are listening to, My Two Gay Dads. We are a member of the Questionable endeavor Network, which, just like WWE, promises new and better contact, but continues to employ Josh. Tune in next week for our new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.